What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert, and as always, I'm joined by Lennon Burton. Lennon, how are you doing this week? I'm doing really well, man. Doing solid. Before I jump into just straight movie stuff, announcement, announcement, announcement. I know we have, we've been promoting it slowly, but the promotion is kicking up. The pre-fight interviews are dropping. The fight card's dropping soon. There is a new pitch it match July 10th. Ian Hawley versus Christian Hollinger for the finals, for one of the final spots in the summer extravaganza. It's starting live on twitch.tv slash bros who think 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. West Coast. Again, Ian Hawley. Hawley versus Christian Hollinger for a spot in the summer extravaganza. Dan exclaims, Shamit Dua already locked their spots. We're waiting for the other two spots to see who goes for the bill. Christian Hollinger, Ian Hawley, July 10th, Saturday, July 10th, 7 p.m. Central. I'm excited, Schubert. It's almost time for me to play again. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It seems like it's been a little while, and that's only a couple weeks away. So yep. know, we'll be getting right back into the thick of things. I may have to make some more questions. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> uh, actually, interesting enough, I have a pitch it-like question in today's notes. So we'll talk about that kind of in the vein of thinking about pitch it. Um, but I just had an interesting trip up to Asheville and be drink, sporting one of my new Asheville beers for all the mm-hmm. YouTubers out there. Here you go. But uh, yeah, <laughs> other than that, you know, it's been been watching a lot of different stuff. I, I, fa- I found on HBO Max now a new procedural to watch. Uh, it's a show that started in 2003, Cold Case. I don't know if you've ever seen it. On HBO Max? Yeah. Bro, I watched like three seasons of it. I'm in the middle of it. Like Danny Pino, brother. I love it. Yes. I, it's my jam. Like, I'm so happy you said that. We We like the same cop procedurals. Cold Case is great. I love how at first I thought there was like a separate division, but like it just happened naturally. Like she was solving a mystery in episode and one. Like, and the, I just like cold cases. Yeah. And, and the per and, the, and her boss was just like, I think this suits you better. But yeah. you see my shirt. With, with Dan- oh, oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, finish up. Say, we'll finish talking Dan- about Danny Pina is like, why do you like so- solving these cold cases? And she's like, because like, I don't like murders running free. I'm like, duh. <laughs> like, get, get those, get these murderers. And there's been like some crazy ones, man. I'm like, whoa. Show's good. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember where I don't remember where it came on. It, when we were I younger. think it was CBS. I guess. I, well, Maybe no, because it would be on CBS All Access. Wait, let me see. Cold case. Let's see where it originally. Played. I want to say be, it was. It might be TNT. Okay, no, I might. It might be TNT. Hold on, I'm gonna tell you. Oh no, it ran on CBS. Yeah, it Weird. ran. It ran on CBS. Not mad though. And yep, CBS, and then it went to CBS Paramount Network. And then, oh, Warner Brothers bought it for the last season. Okay. Ah, that's well, they got, they got all of them, so. Yep, they got all of them. So, bet. Okay, cool beans. But, yo, I've been re-watching Bob's Burgers. I started from the last season, going all the way back. I'm on season three. Shubert, that show's amazing. It really is one of the best adult family animation cartoons ever. I absolutely love it. Like, well, and and in a way that, that like it's an adult animated show that doesn't need to be like the other ones. Where like it's still kind of a wholesome show that you could probably watch with your kids. Uh huh. 
But there's but like, it's still there's, there's edgy enough. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of adult themes, 100%. And they mask it very well. It's a very intelligent show. So I've been watching yeah. that. What else you been watching? Uh, I mean, I've still been watching Downton Abbey here and there. Um, I've been watching Disney, or not Disney, Discovery Plus shows. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just keeping up with some of the stuff. I watched College Bowl. Nice. This week, Alabama and Auburn faced off. Nice, nice, nice. It's it's interesting with Peyton Manning and his brother. It's kind of cheesy. Yeah, I can ima- I could fucking imagine. Oh, bro. But I mean, glad you're enjoying that. Haven't been really watching any movies, man. Like I said, Bob's Burgers rewatch has really been taking up my time. That and Cold Case. That's literally the two things I've been watching. It's pretty much all I've been watching. Uh, Cold Case and like whatever I watch when I come home. I mean, you know, Bachelorette on Monday. Yep. And then uh, a lot of NBA. NBA has been really lot, taking up my TV time. And a lot of NBA too. I like guess really what I've been watching. I've, honestly, I've been watching a lot of the Olympic trials too. So mm, facts, I watched facts. like some of the track runners a couple weeks ago. I was watching swimmers and divers. Mm-hmm. So. so we got a lot to look forward to, but great episode plan. A lot of DC stuff. Of course, reviewing Loki and, um, and Dave. Dave finally, but the Conan O'Brien late night show is ending by the time you guys hear this. Thursday's the last night, and the host of the Never Less Than Ill podcast, Justin Ivy, uh, network person on the network, uh, podcast on the network, big fan of Conan O'Brien. We brought him on the show to talk about Conan's legacy, where he stacks up against other late night hosts. And because he was a big fan, I thought it was super dope. The final episode of Conan, let's get someone who loves Conan to talk about his legacy. Real quick, I I talk about my favorite late night host later in the show. Who's yours if you have one? Uh, Well, I don't really like to watch a lot of those shows. If I did, I would watch uh, Tonight Show, whether it was Leno or Fallon. Mm. Um, honestly, I really enjoyed James Corden's show when it first came on. Mm, okay. Um, but I never really liked Letterman. I never really liked Jimmy Kimmel. See, I'm a uh, Kimmel guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like watching their shows. Uh, I did, I did like the the Late Late Show with the uh, the British guy for a while, and then you know, last week tonight with John Oliver, I consider one. Oh but, yeah. yeah. Facts. And then, I, of course, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. So, yeah, the, I don't count those because... The Colbert Report with Stephen Colbert. And then uh, Seth Myers. Nah, I don't watch that. See, big hater vibes. But we talk about all that. It's, it's not bit. hater vibes. It's just like I'd rather be watching other things than like people regurgitate the news to me. But see, so, but some of those aren't that. That's what made Conan great. It was sketches, interviews with actors. I, I always thought late-night television done the right way is still great, great television. And we talk about that later in the show, but Shuby, man, whenever you're ready, there's a lot for us to discuss. A lot of stuff from whether it's trailers, news. I'm super excited. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to get into. So without further ado, let's get started. Um... So there wasn't really anything great to lead the show off with this week, um, but there was some flash set leaks. Uh, We saw Michael Keaton on set. Uh, A lot of people were saying Batman Beyond vibes. I didn't really understand why. I I didn't really understand why they were saying that. I mean, like, I don't think he looked like Bruce Wayne from Batman Beyond or anything. Gray hair, Batman Beyond, old gray hair, Bruce. He looks like episode one. Wait, but let me finish. Episode one, Batman Beyond. 
Bruce Wayne in the robotic Batman suit when he takes it off. Gray hair looks beaten down. Michael Keaton, we saw a little bit of his suit going to be a little more robotic. Schubert, I 100% believe they're leading us to Michael Keaton having a Batman Beyond universe. But what I loved was the Supergirl costume. She looks great. And then Flash having the Flash ring. I think Andy Muschietti's about to give us a good movie. As much as me and you both aren't set on Ezra, everything else besides Ezra looks incredible. Yeah, I saw on Twitter that um, some of the Supergirl uh, comic writers and artists were like, okay, we're, they're pulling a different so- Supergirl than we've seen from like some of the TV iterations. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be... Cara, uh, Cara, Danvers. yeah, Cara Dan or Cara Zorel. I don't think it's gonna be her. I think it's gonna be uh, Lana Lang Kent. I think it's gonna be Superman's daughter with yeah, Lois Lane. What, that's what I was seeing too. So that's kind of interesting to me that we're gonna pull a different Supergirl into the mix when we were thinking that we we're gonna get a Supergirl and when where is she gonna fall into the the whole universe when we come into this? Because obviously she'd be a, a, spawn, a child of Superman. So it wouldn't fit into that current DC. But maybe on her Earth, maybe Superman's dead. And when Flash does his multiverse stuff, maybe she comes over. Who knows? Like that's what's interesting about this. There's so much that so much potential here. But just seeing Michael Keaton next to Ezra, both in suits, Ezra with the Flash ring gave me chills, man. This is what I want to see from DC, from whether it's this new Batman movie, this new Flash movie or a trailer we're going to talk about a little bit later. DC looks like they're doing the right things now. They do. So, I mean, that was definitely exciting to see, but they need to stop leaking all this stuff, man. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. Also, the Shazam photos. the, the Shazam photos. So much. Yeah, he has. The Shazam photos dropped too. Pony Smasher was like, I don't want to have fl- flash set leaks type shit. So I'm going to just show you everybody in, in their new costume. And everyone looks great. Like, all the new Shazam stuff looks good. I'm excited for, like I said, all things DC right now, I'm super excited for. Yeah, it seems like it's going pretty well. But I mean, you can't, I would say that for everyone at the moment. I mean, we'll talk about Loki later on. You know, I think they're they're doing pretty fine. So we'll, we'll, Marvel and DC really... Hitting on all cylinders. Um, hitting on all cylinders, owning the um, the content market, pretty much. I mean, everyone wants to know what they got next. Yep, that's a fact. Only um, only thing the Marvel's suffering with is Black Widow. I really don't think no one cares about out. that film. Me, I care about it. I'm man. That's gonna be that's that's gonna be the first movie I see in theaters this year. Man, look, that film. I'm not excited for that film. I think the Shang Chi is more important. I think Eternals is more important. And then a trailer we're going to discuss is going to be the best comic book movie of the year. For sure. Um, But let's talk this story that I saw real quick. So Universal Pictures, they approached Steven Spielberg about rebooting Jaws and he declined. As he should. Um, (laughs) I actually had a conversation with my dad about this earlier today uh, about past movies getting rebooted when we were talking about Mad Max. Mm. But uh, what is something that you can think of that you might want to see rebooted? We've already said it. Escape from New York. It deserves Escape to from be New rebo- York, yeah. It, it, it would be amazing rebooted, make it cyberpunky. I think that would work super, super well. But another old movie? Mm. We, my dad was saying that he th- he really enjoyed Waterworld and wanted to see them do something new with Waterworld. A new Waterworld would be great because the first one, I, I, I get your dad liked it. My dad liked it too. First one's cheesy as cheesy AF. 
But they like, could, but like, have you ever seen the original Mad Max stuff? Like, she's AF as well. Yeah. So if saying. you update Waterworld, no, that could be great. I'm with you on that. That could be really great. I'm trying to think of like a, a action franchise that could serve to be rebooted. Like, in Rambo could be cool, maybe. Maybe uh, I'm trying to think of like uh, a sci-fi movie because I think sci-fi movies serve the best to be rebooted. Yeah, because you don't have any parameters. Yep. Of like time. Yep. Um. Yeah, like you could do. Have you ever seen uh Time Bandits? No, I haven't, but I I know what it is. Yeah, it's a pretty famous book. So you yep. can do that. Um, uh, I wish you'd have let me know this. I'd have bought a list. You're asking, telling me this on the spot. I'm having to go on the spot and Google. Uh, Total Recall could always serve for another reboot. Um, yeah, Total Recall is a pretty good watch. Yep, it always served for another reboot. But I think Tron, bring back if, Tron. If you were gonna, yeah, try Tron again. But I mean, in the same vein of Total Recall, Demolition Man was a pretty funny movie. That could yeah, do. Demolition Man could, could work as well. And then, like, why not bring back some of the Westerns? Like, I know you mm. can't redo Good, the Bad, the Ugly, but let's try to redo, like... Uh, a, a, a few more, a, a few dollars more, or uh, something else from the dollars trilogy. Kind of like what you did with three ten to Yuma, where you yeah. did or what you did with uh the Jeff True Bridges Grit. True Grit. Yep. Yeah. Um, so th- those are definitely two genres that we could definitely see get rebooted, and I think it would for a lot of people. A lot of those movies are out of sight, out of mind. You could definitely uh, bring those back. But um, anyway, let's go ahead and jump into the trailers. I want to talk about the first the first one up on top first because this was something that kind of just came on everyone's radar this week. It was the Scooby-Doo Courage crossover uh, that's going to be a straight-to-DVD movie. Um, look, okay. did, you get, did you get a chance to see that trailer? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm not a big Courage the Cowardly Dog fan, but I do, I. Think, I do think it works well, and I think it's worth... Um, worth doing because Scooby-Doo solves mysteries. Courage solves mysteries. I think it just makes perfect sense to do. Yeah, I think it's a, a good blend. And it also is a real big blend of uh, Cartoon Network cultures. Because you got Scooby's, Scooby-Doo is decades. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's watched Scooby-Doo. And then especially for like our generation, Courage was a, a show that a lot of people watched even love it or hate it. I mean, we still watched it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mixing them together, I think is good to try and hit that market. Cause it will, I mean, it may not be for us, people, people our age, but I mean, people are our age are going to watch it. So. Yeah. In fact, just to see what it is. I, I think they should have, and I know they probably didn't, but they should have ad, adulted it up a little bit. Tad, but you know, just just, a tad. like I, like we always say, because, because none kids. of these young kids are watching courage. There, but it could be they watch this, get into it, go back, watch the old show. It's all on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah. In the age of streaming, everything's viable now. Yeah. So. Um, but so, talking about something that's getting brought back, Turner and Hooch, the, the new iteration of Turner and Hooch, going to be on Disney Plus with Josh Peck. Good for him doing well because his Drake and Josh co-star is a sexual predator now. Crazy. Yeah. Look yeah, at the times we is. live in. <laughs> Dude's going to jail. Nuts. But good for Josh Peck. This movie actually looks pretty good. I was actually shocked. That's the thing about Disney Plus movies and or TV shows. You know, besides the Marvels and the Star Wars, they're putting some effort into these shows. No some lie. of them, like, yeah. 
I mean, of course, like, you know, we don't watch High School Musical, the series, but that's a pretty, it's pretty big in the zeitgeist, and especially with Olivia Rodrigo on there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that show's getting like really well done. Um, I thought the Mighty Duck series was a phenomenal. The John um, Stamos series wasn't bad. I, did you watch any of it? I watched like one or two episodes. See, yeah, and I haven't heard anything bad about it. So it's like the Disney Plus is trying. I would say they're taking a slow and steady approach. Like they're not, I don't think they have so much stuff they're spitting out. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, Star Wars is going to do their thing. They're in their own bubble. Marvel's in there and doing their own thing. They're in their own bubble. But like when it comes to these Disney Plus stuff, they're not like giving us too much crap. Like, you know, what Netflix did at one point where it was just like everything new all the time. So we got new content, but not all of it's good. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like Disney Plus is kind of like really taking the time to make sure something worthwhile, something and yeah, and also knowing that the people who are buying your service are a wide range of ages. So put something on there that will serve for the kids, but isn't a bore to watch for the adults. Facts. So I, I look this Terry Hooch thing could be big for Josh Peck. Like I said, good for him. Yeah, first I saw this. Uh, where first I saw the story, and I was like, ah, I don't want to watch this. But after watching the trailer, I think I'm, I think I'm going to watch it for sure. I'll definitely give it the one episode go. Yeah. Um, next, let's go. Okay, so there was a Ted Lasso trailer I want to mention real quick. I don't want to talk too much about it because I, you know, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't watch the whole deal. But uh, it looks like it's going to pick up where it left off, um, especially in this comedy. There's a lot of laugh out loud moments. My girlfriend's looking at me on the couch. Like, why are you laughing at this trailer? <laughs> and I'm like, you're a Ted Lasso fan. That's why. Yeah. I mean, I just get, the, I just get the comedy. I think that's one of those things where I, if you, if you get the comedy of Ted Lasso, I mean, it's just hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, let's start talking about some of these movie trailers before we talk about, or no, let's talk about Q force real quick. N- another surprising little trailer. I just saw it was something that popped up on like discussing film Twitter. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess, you know, that's a trailer. I mean, check it out. And I didn't know what to think about it at all. I didn't even know what the premise was. And then when I watched the trailer, I thought it was hilarious with the, the, the gay superheroes, mm-hmm. what they're saying. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's like this, it's uh the gay uh spy division. I think this the gay is spy great. Division, let all let all everyone have uh some heroes they can see themselves. So if a young uh gay kid sees this, it's like oh I I can it have my own heroes too. And then for non homosexual people, straight people, it looks hilarious. For this looks like a show for everyone. So I think this is great. Yeah, I thought it was a really well done trailer to put put out. Um, I think it's gonna definitely be something that they might run with for a little while. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I guess before we talk about all the movies, we can go ahead and talk about Titans. So we talked about it last week that there was gonna be a Titans trailer. Now we can talk about it. Boy, they said I we thought the whole time, how are they gonna get Jason Todd to Red Hood? How are they gonna do it? Is Deathstroke gonna kill him? No, they stuck to it. Joker is killing him. We're in Gotham. It's going down. This to me feels like this isn't a Titan show anymore. This feels like this is a Bat Family show. And I I am here for it. Like we see Joker giving people Joker faces. We see him beating Jason with the crowbar. My, My guess is that Bruce is out of commission when this happens. And Dick is in charge of Gotham and is on Jason's watch. And that's why Red Hood is coming out for revenge against the Titans because it's Dick 
instead of Batman who let him die. Even though we do see yeah. Ian Glenn, I think it's going to be Dick that's in charge of Jason and why Jason goes out and fights the Joker alone. That's just my guess. But this trailer looks good, and it looks like Titans might have finally nailed something. Yeah, I think this might be the season where they really kind of put it over the top. I mean, this is the one where they really have to, in a sense, because this is their yep. HBO Max coming out party. Um, and it looks pretty pretty intense. I mean, we do we do get glimpses of everyone in there, but it really does seem like it's going to be more focused on, like, Dick and Jason and... That's, you know, you saw the, your Barbara Gordon glimpse in there, and we know that she was going to be in this. Um, and you mentioned Ian Glenn, but the only people, other flashes of people I remember is like the one, the one picture of Beast Boy. I was like, oh, there he is. He's actually in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and then Hawk. I saw yeah, Hawk, Hawk was in there. To do. And then we see Blackfire in there as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm ready for this. We're pretty close to it now, about a couple months. Not, not, not a couple weeks. Oh, it's in July? I, I think it was in uh, August. Uh, no, it is in August. So, yeah, like about a month. About a month away. Yeah. So, excited for so. that, man. Going to be great. Titans, let's get it. Uh, let's run through some of these movie trailers. you see Shrink Next Door? Yeah. With, I think uh, that's a TV show, actually. Yeah, it's with uh, uh, Will, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, Yeah, they're, they're going for, like, they're more serious. Seems like Wes Anderson-y, Bill Murray-style comedy drama situation drama, yeah yeah it looks pretty interesting with uh you know will being this guy who's kind of yeah and like paul red is his eccentric shrink neighbor mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be pretty interesting what was like a murder involved too or something like that i don't know but it's basically like Will Farrell it seems like the master almost how mm. in the master Joaquin Phoenix is like this lover of what um what's my guy's name oh I can't believe I'm blanking on him right now in Capote uh Philip Seymour Hoffman no no Philip Seymour Hoffman how Philip Seymour Hoffman is, is like this guy that is the leader of the spiritual leader of um Joaquin Phoenix it seems that like this shrink is going to be the spiritual leader of Will Ferrell and, and controlling pretty much what he does and getting brainwashed almost. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's gonna be pretty cool on Apple yeah, plus. It, it looks interesting. So, well, uh, well, I'll definitely check that one out. Um, but going into what we were talking about here. So pig is the Nicholas cage, the, his most recent <laughs> weirdo crazy movie. Do the chef, chef John wick, like, Upset his pig, di- his pig dies. Go and get revenge on the cooking industry. <laughs> yeah, the, it it seems absurd in every way. What is that's Nat Wolf in there? Yeah, no, 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 no. That's that, Alex Wolf. That's Alex Wolf with yeah. his little with his little French boy mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting to see him it. in there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm down for this Nick Cage thing now because I've come to the terms with that. Nick Cage is like he's got his Oscar. He, he don't he doesn't need to be in these it's the cage songs, man His he, just, he just wants to do a really interesting characters and i i mean i'm here for it because i like that that crazy chuck e cheese killing movie that he just <laughs> did and like i, I I'm, I'm gonna watch this this trash man the cage songs, baby the cage songs, the straight to dvd cage songs. <laughs> um let's talk about another guy who's 
changing up his style, but this time it seems to be for an Oscar. Mark Wahlberg, Joe Bell. Mark Wahlberg said, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of just doing these action movies, these Peter Berg, real life oil spill, Boston Marathoner, American hero movies. Well, this is a true story. Oh, well, he's still in that bag, but he's going for an Oscar. This time he's not shooting no guns, doing no punches. And it, it it's a movie that I think will help people. It's a movie that's very important to today's time. So good for Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, um, he definitely is. He's taken on bullying here, especially within the LGBT community. So I think it's a. I, I'm interested in in the in the story itself. I don't know if it, it might just be too serious for me to watch. I don't mm, really. It might be. That's possible. I'm gonna yeah, check. Looks, uh, it, that trailer made me real sad. I was like, yeah, Oof. man. Especially when they talk about in they they already spoil something in the trailer about how his son commits suicide, and it's just like, oh no. Yeah, that's stuff. Like, Ooh, dude, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. Yeah, so, I mean, something that our girlfriends would be interested in, but not us. Maybe. I'm not trying to cry. <laughs> uh, next up is White Lotus. I couldn't tell if this was a series or a movie was a, on HBO Max. It seems like it a, might se- be a, series. a comedy series. Dark comedy, I would guess, because it's like it's got all of these people who are pretty much more more so known for comedy, mm-hmm. like Molly Shannon and. Uh, I can't, uh, there's so many, I can't remember all their names, but, but like, um, it seems like everybody has like a different perspective on what's going on in this like paradise resort, but they've all had like their own sets of like weird issues. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that, how that pans out. But you know, I'm all, always down for something new on HBO max and, uh, their original content. Cause it, it hasn't been too rough so far. I can't really think of one that I really thought that missed, but I haven't seen them all either. So. True, 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 true. Yeah, look, I mean, I'll maybe give it a, a look. See, I, this is one that I got to wait and see how... Did you hear something about it? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, well, the next two trailers we got, or the next three trailers we got, are all something that are all pretty exciting in their own way. Let's start with Candyman, something that Ooh. I don't want to see. Well, I'm making you see it. We're reviewing it. It looks great. This looks terrifying. I love, like, the little vignette like figure cut out things that they're doing to yeah. tell the story like th- the way that african americans have taken on horror f- after get out us these just black horror movies are great and i, I think this is going to be another hit monkey paw jordan peele's production company i think they got another win on their hands yeah this one is uh directed by nia da costa mm-hmm. and um Oh yeah, she's doing the Marvels. Yep, she is. Uh, but so this, yeah, like Lynn said, this looks terrifying. Um, it looks absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mahin looks like he's about to kill this. Like if he can win a horror actor award, he might actually do that because like he made me believe it for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to go anywhere near that movie. I haven't felt that way about a horror movie in a while. Because, I mean, even The Conjuring's, like, they don't really... They scare, they're scary, and, like, I don't really want to watch them. But, like, that... I could watch a Conjuring trailer and be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I get what that is. But, like, this, I'm just... Oof. Give me nightmares just watching the trailer. I'm ready for it, and we gonna review it. I'm excited. I'm... I'm ready to be terrified. Like, does Yahya Abdul-Mahin start to slowly turn to Candyman with all them holes and scabs on his hand? Like, 
I need to know. This looks great. It's gross. This could be a big movie for Yaya, and I'm excited for him. For sure. And something that, and a movie that could be big for a certain actor, Henry Golding, The Snake Eyes. And man, did that trailer look really great. I, I think like this might be, you know, uh, up there with some of these other action movies that are coming out. Uh, the G.I. Different- Joe franchise looks like it's about to come back heavy in a strong way. And seeing Henry Golding and Andrew Koji in this trailer just confirms everything I know on why they should have been Spike Spiegel. My good, but yeah. my only question is Henry Golding talks so much in this. This is the most I've seen Snake Eyes talk. Granted, it's an origin. When and they all and they and they do show that that G.I. Joe and Cobra will approach the ninja clan that Henry Golding and Andrew Koji are playing are fighting for. When he goes to G.I. Joe, will we never see his face again? Will he never talk? That's my only question. I don't know. I mean, at this point, like, I could really care less about the G.I. Joe franchise. I just think <laughs> that this movie is going to be really dope because, I mean, like, I haven't really liked any other G.I. Joe movie. Well, it's about to be rebooted. And, like, if this one's good, then shit, we might get a a, 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 a fire G.I. Joe cast. Samara Weaving's in this movie is, like, one of the G.I. Joe ladies. Like, I'm ready. All I need to know is who's Duke. We need We need a good Duke. That's an Aaron Taylor Johnson type role. He's a little busy right now. He is. Well, who else could? Who else would you want to see on this Henry Golding, Samar weaving? Well, I, I don't understand like who Duke is. Like I just don't know anything about this GI Joe. Oh well, Duke's the leader of of the GI Joe. Channing Tatum and the other ones. Um, I, I I was always confused by that. That's what I'm saying. I just never understood those movies. But like watching the Snake Eyes thing, I'm like, I think I get this. I can get All right, no, this. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm ready for this new stuff. And but basically, Duke is the leader and they have a bunch of others. I'm trying to think of like an actor who could take on this Duke role right now. I'm trying to think of like big actors who could fit alongside Henry Golding in the action world. Does Duke have to be white? Um, normally he is, you don't have to make him white, but I mean, normally he is. Yeah. Cause like there are a few guys, um, few, uh, African-American guys that I could see that could probably be good. Like who, who are you thinking? Uh, dude who's playing Hawkman. Oh yeah. But I think he would be good in the, in just the world itself. Aldous Hodge. Bradley yeah, Aldous Cooper Hodge. would be a good Duke. But I don't know if Bradley Cooper's trying to do an action G.I. Joe movie. I think How old is Bradley that. Cooper? Isn't he's he under like 40. 50? He's under 40. All right. So, you know, he might be like 40. <laughs> what, was, uh, what was that movie we just watched? Uh, oh, yeah, that was with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, um, I don't want Michael B. in this. Michael no, B., I don't want him to be in I think he's better as uh, doing what he's doing. Yeah, with the Clancy stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, if you want an older Duke, Tom Cruise is always up for a new franchise. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why are you hating? Why are you hating? Daniel Craig, another one if you want an older Duke. But if you want a young one, I can't think of anybody like young action Yeah, I mean, stars. that's something that you really have to think about. Because, um, like, at the moment, I feel like Henry Golding is the guy that I would go lean to on action. Yeah. I don't, oh man, actors under 30. Let's see. Let's see. I, I don't want Robert Pattinson. Uh, Nicholas Holt to me is, is not. I don't think he could do it. Zach Efron, I don't think he could do it either. No. Maybe Liam Hemsworth, but then I think it gets cheap. Maybe. 
Man, I don't know. It would be big for him if he could pull that off. It would be huge for him if he could pull that off. But like yeah. this is this is just a a tough universe to cast, you know. It is because like you're also fighting with the Marvels and the DCs and you know all of these other uh franchise established franchises that have already grabbed up some of the big uh, Ben Barnes. Ben Barnes, ben our Barnes, guy. He could do it. Ben Barnes could do it. Ben Barnes has but like he's, but he's doing Shadow and Bone right now. So it's like, and that's getting picked up for like multiple seasons. It's like the same deal with like Henry Cavill. Like Henry Cavill could probably do it, but I mean he's stuck with the Witcher. So it's Henry Cavill would be good. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the name I thought of, but I'm like, well, he can't do it right now. Mm. I guess he could make the time, but maybe Chris Hemsworth himself. Uh he's finishing up Marvel, so maybe. That's what I'm thinking. Like Chris Hemsworth himself could probably uh, or uh, Noah Centino, but I think he might be too young. I thought I thought about Noah Centino, but I was like, if what I feel like the character is supposed to be Duke is supposed to be like someone who I would think of as as a equal leader to or better than Henry Golding. And exactly. Like, what Noah Centino's next to Henry Golding? I'd be like, well, Henry Golding. Exactly. I'm giving the edge. I'm giving the edge to Henry Golding in that. Exactly. So like, it's tough, man. It's tough. But whoever they get, I'm excited to see. For sure. But uh, let's talk about the big trailer that um, we want to talk about. And it's probably the third time we've talked about a Suicide Squad trailer. But every every time they bring out another one, it just has more stuff that seems like it's going to be so good. This movie seems, comedy it, in, in this trailer was just phenomenal. This seems like it's going to be the best comic book movie of the year from just the little tidbits about Idris Elba being that. He's in jail because he shot, shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet, one of the best assassins in the DC universe. And then we see Peacemaker with John Cena getting some of his comedy. Star, Don't Starfish represents buttholes. Absolutely hilarious. I think Joel Kinnaman had some funny lines in there too. But with this and trailer... Pete Davidson solid- with the whole being scared of the weasel thing. That was funny. And then uh, to your point about Pete Davidson, with this trailer solidified for me, there's two teams. Harley Quinn's on both, her and Joel Kinnaman. I think that Javelin... Pete Davidson team, I think they all die. Every one of them die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why we see Margot Robbie carrying the javelin in the final group shot of everyone carrying on the legacy of the former team. Yeah, but I think I think the ones that we're going to stick with, you know, Harley, Joel Kinnaman, uh, you know, Idris Elba, whoever Idris Elba was talking to where they were like, I'm going to sit, I'm going to. Oh, the rat catcher. Yeah. The rat catcher, yes. And then uh, Pokemon Shark. Man. Polka Dot Man and John Cena. I think Captain Boomerang might die, which is crazy. That's pretty crazy. Before he gets to a Flash movie. (laughs) Hey, he might still make him the Flash movie. Or Jai Courtney, man. (laughs) I thought he did a really good job of that character, too. I did, too. But I love this trailer, man. James Gunn, stay in D.C., brother. Like, what you're doing, this looks great. I love that Starro's the the villain. I think it it makes for an interesting story. And I just want to see this. I'm ready to see this film. I'm going to be in the theaters day one, August 26th, watching this movie. I'm excited. I think we'll be together, actually. Oh, yeah. Louisiana Comic Con. Because that's Louisiana Comic Con. So We're going to watch that together, then. Beautiful. Yeah, perfect. Um, but yeah, that's it for the trailers. Let's uh, move into the Snow White BS. Yeah, next story. Rachel Ziegler has been cast as Snow White in the upcoming Disney remake of the classic fairy tale. Ziegler beat out Minnie for the role, poised for a breakout. She has West Side Story this year. She's also up to appear in Shazam as like one of the villains. And um, Mark Webb's going to direct it. 
Uh, he's directed 500 Days of Summer, the, uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Uh, it's expected to start filming sometime in 2022. Are you excited for Rachel Ziegler's Snow White? No. <laughs> there, there's how many Snow White movies have there been in my life? Like this is like the fourth one. But this is going to be the the real one. This isn't I Snow guess, White and the Huntsman. Dude. This isn't Kristen Stewart's BS. This is the real one. I guess, dude. But I mean, like, I don't even really want to see like a lot of these rebooted like Disney princess stuff. Like, you know, Aladdin, yes. I want to see that one. I need Hercules um, but I mean, like, before Snow White. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather see Hercules before I see Snow White or, you know, Cinderella. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd honestly rather see Sleeping Beauty than a lot of this other stuff, but we already got Maleficent, so. I'd rather Princess and the much. Frog over Snow White. Because you could have did a cool New Orleans. You could have did a cool New Orleans. They, they need to do that. Mm-hmm. They really it would work do. great. Because I mean, like, why are we doing this Cinderella Snow White? Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, I mean, even Little Mermaid to an extent. I mean, at least they're making it a little different. But like, I mean, I've, I've you know, the Little Mermaid movie, and this might be a hot take for people who really like that. But I mean, it's trash. I mean, that movie is not good. Whoa! Like, the songs that the is songs? some girl's favorite Disney movie. What's wrong with you? The songs are incredible. I can't I say that movie. Songs. I can't say that movie's trash. You clown. The songs are bops. Ursula's like, a great villain. Triton, great father character. I like Sebastian. I like Flounder. And Ariel's a good you princess. Like them when they, you like Sebastian the most when he does the song. And let's be real. I mean, you hate me. <laughs> and, you know, and like, that movie's trash. And this, That's crazy. And the OG Snow that. White movie. Don't ever want to watch that ever again. Oh no, I'm OG, never watching OG again. Cinderella movie. Never watch that again. Better, but still no. Like, I watch Sleeping Beauty though. I, yeah, I'd watch Sleeping Beauty. That's what I'm saying. Like the only good thing is Rachel Ziegler. Watch. Rachel Ziegler actually kind of looks like animated Snow White, <laughs> which is funny. That's the only like. And we know she can story. sing. Facts, but that's enough on that nonsense. Here's a good story. David Fincher's The Killer is now starring Michael Fassbender as a cold-blooded assassin, and is going to begin. Filming November in Paris. David Fincher doing a assassin movie with Michael Fassbender. Thank you to the stars. My man is done with Mank. He's done with that nonsense that he's doing over there. And we're about to get into some good Fincher assassin action stuff with Michael Fassbender. Who needs this? Because Michael Fassbender is a great actor, but he was so bogged down with Magneto in the X-Men franchise that he never got to really shine. And then he did Assassin's Creed, which was trash. So hopefully this can bounce him back because he's one of the better actors today. It's just, yeah, we don't he, mention him. Do something else that was pretty good there. Steve Jobs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and like, and I, I just, I was thinking what I'd seen him in recently, and I forgot that he was in the Alien movies. True, 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 true. He was, he was in, yeah, he was in Alien Covenant and Prometheus, and he did okay in this. But I mean, like those movies are just whatever. Uh, yeah, it, Macbeth. He yep. was in Twelve Years a Slave, but I mean, like, yeah, he really needs to do something. He, something this is big for, for him, sure. so. Good for him and Fincher. I'm excited for this. Um, next up, Amberlin partners with Netflix. That's Steven Spielberg's company. They forged a partnership, one that will see the company headed by Steven Spielberg to produce multiple new feature films for the streaming service every year. Steven Spielberg, who is anti-streaming service, is now partnering with one. I just think he partnered with the wrong one. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like you say, it could be the wrong one, but this is probably the one that would give him a lot of freedom. And let do him do whatever. whatever he wants. Yeah. So, yes and no. 
you know, Steven Spielberg makes great movies, but Netflix That's great for Netflix. Yeah, I mean, so it's no. amazing for them because they need this, especially yeah. when HBO has all of Warner Brothers. Amazon has money to throw at people. And so does Apple. They need talent and that's what they got they got one of the best directors of all time you know the one thing i think is interesting about this is i have to see it in what movies he under amblin he's done uh-huh but like we were, we were just talking about with the jaws thing like that that now netflix could have the ability to like, well they can't because like, hey, it's universal well no i'm saying that not for jaws but, but i'm saying like that's e. what i'm saying like what would have been under amblin is like you know what has he done under, under that flag that he can bring into Netflix as a mm-hmm. reboot or a sequel or something like that? No, I feel you on that. Let me just real quick Google Anne Boleyn and see the movies that we can get. Um, real quick, Anne Boleyn Entertainment movies. So here are some that fall under Jurassic Park, ET, That's what I thought. Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Saving Private Ryan, Men in Black, The Gremlins, Goonies, The Goonies, Hook, uh, Land what? Before Time. They could probably do something really interesting with Balto, that. Balto, uh, Minority Report. I, th- I I can see Minority Report getting rebooted for Netflix. Uh, Catch Me If You Can, War of the Worlds. There's a lot of stuff that he has made that can either be rebooted. But I, if I had the best, I think he's going to make a bunch of new stuff for Netflix. Probably so. Probably so, but I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that we could see something like that pop up, you know, especially because they were, uh, they already did a Netflix movie. True. It did uh, Trial of Chicago 7. True, 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 true. So we shall see, but this is big for Netflix. Good for them. Next up, FX has ordered a limited series class of 2009 starring Brian Tyree Henry and Kate Mara. The one-hour drama series will exclusively air on FX and on Hulu and has received an eight-episode order. The show is set in the near future where the U.S. criminal justice system has been transformed by artificial intelligence. It follows a group of FBI agents who graduated from Quantico in 2009 and are reunited following the death of a mutual friend, spanning three decades and told across the interweaving timelines. The series examines the nature of justice, humanity, and the choices people make that ultimately define their lives, their legacy, Henry will play Tayo Miller, one of the most brilliant and unorthodox agents to ever join the Bureau, a man who seeks not merely to make his mark on the institution, but to remake it entirely. Mara will play Amy Poet, a woman who never imagined joining the world of law enforcement and finds herself at the center of it, most pivotal moment of transformation. This is big for Brian Tyree Henry, shows how much faith FX has in him. I think this could be cool. It just depends on, like, I'm with you with the FBI stuff, but where does the artificial intelligence come in at? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's something that is going to be part of this whole interweaving timelines. Like, I think it's going to be like timelines of like early in there, FBI, kind of like what I was talking about with Cool Summer, but more so much more so with like decades than like years mm-hmm. or like they'll have a lighter period and then like maybe you'll get like a middle period where it's like starting to bring in the artificial intelligence and i could see that by the end point artificial intelligence it says like pretty much transforms the criminal justice system and kind of takes over so it mm-hmm. could be almost like a you know terminator rise of the machines kind of deal on, on the back end of that so yeah. I, I think this could be a really interesting show i'm with you i think it could be great so good yeah, for uh brian tyree henry and good for fx yeah, FX puts out some really good stuff, man. Yes, they, really they do. do. Yes, they do. 
Um, so next up, we talked about this before the HBO pirate comedy, our flag means death is rounding out its cast with six new additions, uh, Christian name, Nathan Frode, Samson Ko, Roy Kinnear, Con O'Neill and Fico Ortiz will all join the show alongside previous announced series lead Reese Darby. Taika Waititi also will appear in the series as Blackbeard. Uh, in addition to working behind the camera. We've talked about it before that this is loosely based on the true adventures of Steed Bonnet, played by Darby, a pampered aristocrat who abandoned his life of privilege to become a pirate. Um, The show is uh, supposed to, was originally ordered last fall by HBO Max, so it should be getting to work here pretty soon. Um, The only notable name out of that group is Name, who played Hodor on Game of Thrones. It's the only, like, recognizable face, really. Okay. But it is good that they're getting more people involved in this and a lot of different, a lot of different faces and ages. So I'm kind of, you know, and there's uh, also a woman. So this could be a really ragtag pirate crew. Going to be interesting. Oh, and I do know Olawandi. Olawand uh or oh, will play Olawande. Never mind. Um, yeah, no, I guess name's the only uh person we really know. So, you know, gonna be interesting how to how they take this comedic approach to Blackbeard because like you said the first time we talked about this, when I think of Blackbeard, I think of Marshall D. Teach, not comedic Blackbeard. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But in our reality bag, Netflix has a new dating series called Sexy Beasts. Mm-hmm. which will be narrated by uh, Rob Delaney. <laughs> the show sees singles heading into blind dates transformed into various animals and mythical creatures through the use of Hollywood movies prosthetics. The what? streamer has signed on for two seasons of the reality show. It's like, imagine, uh, what's the show? So they dress me up like a lion, and then they dress up my date as a bird, and we're supposed to just... No, 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 no. This is going to be a clown show. This is going to be a clown yes, show. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be a two-season clown show on Netflix. But the new show, Too Hot to Handle, watch episode one. Boy, are those people freaky in this episode. They came out like, sex, 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 sex. It was just like, they just wanted to shmang the whole time. Like, did then you watch episode one? they signed up for. No, you watch I haven't. It? Oh, let me not spoil. All right, we'll talk about that next week. My bad. Just know, episode one, they come out like, Let's hook up they, for the whole eight hours. They're just hooking up pre the person coming out saying, all right, no more sex. Oof. Yikes. So, but sexy beast, you know, I'm always down for Netflix reality TV. I wish At they would just bring back. Love is blind, man. Like I love, <laughs> I liked love is blind. I thought that was crazy. <laughs> so that was the one I wish they would bring back. And, and also dating around is really one of like the greatest reality. Dating uh, around dating would, be, would be pretty fire, but they need to. Uh, I know you don't have this on the docket, but you're a big flavor of love guy. Flavor, uh, flavor, Flav has partnered with Little Boosie to give us Boosie's flavor of love. Okay, they're, they're shopping it around right now. Hopefully, it doesn't go to network television. I really want it to go to a streamer so we can get uncut Little Boosie dating show. Because that's the same man that said, show your pussy lips on live, I'll give you a thousand dollars. So you gosh. know, you know that show will be wild. 
Dude, I love Flavor of Love, dude. So like, yeah, it's great. Lucy, let's do it. <laughs> like, Schubert, that's like I said, that's the man that said, "Show your pussy lips on live, I'll give you a thousand dollars." Like, that's hilarious. How many times do you think he says it on the show? Mm, I think he'll be like, I think he'll, he'll say, I think he'll say, "Bend that ass over, girl." <laughs> show, show, the, show, show America that ass. I think we'll, I think he'll say that more than the I'll give you a thousand dollars. How old is he? Lil Boosie? Yeah. Ooh, he got to be like at least 39, <laughs> maybe 40. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Who, who they cast as the girls is going to be important in this. It's I mean, going to be a bunch of 25. Flav. It's, it's going to be like Flavor of Love, a bunch of 25 year olds. Well, I mean, Flav still had some like older girls in there too. True. But he had hoops. <laughs> Who was like twenty three, and he chose her. So, oh, Lil Boosie's thirty eight. So he can still get, he can still get the the teeny boppers, like the the women from twenty one on up. I guess, man. I guess <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. I'm <laughs> definitely curious to see how that turns out. But from reality, definitely sounds more interesting than sexy beast, though. Uh, that's why I had to bring it up. Uh, I mean, like that's the reality television that I need. But all right, next up, back in the movie world, two of our favorite actors, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Vanessa Kirby, have been set to lead a survival thriller suddenly which quickly becomes one of the must-have packages at the Cannes virtual market. The movie will be the sophomore directorial outing for acclaimed screenwriter Thomas uh, Bidigan. The feature is based on Isabel Ostier's French-language novel Sudan Suels, which follows a couple who became stranded on an island in the South Atlantic and must fight for survival when their dream journey becomes a nightmare. The novel shines a light on the dynamics of their relationship and holds a mirror up to modern society. Also, Jake Gyllenhaal is starring in Antoine Fuqua's Guilty, which will premiere at TIFF. The film follows a, a center opera, a call center operator trying to save a caller in grave danger, but he discovers nothing is what it seems. The cast includes Paul Dano, Riley Keough, Ethan Hawke, and Bill Burr. Both of these movies sound great. Again, Jake Gyllenhaal's agent needs to become Ryan Gosling's agent because these two movies sound dope. Yeah, well, I don't think that needs to happen because then Jake Gyllenhaal might be losing some of these roles out to Ryan Gosling. <laughs> but I mean, these are killer. Like Jason, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal is definitely getting some really good stuff, and you can just imagine these things and then you know think that Jake Gyllenhaal is going to you know absolutely crush them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited for Vanessa Kirby, man. After Pieces of Woman, she should be one of the hottest actresses out. Like she's one of the best. She should be getting roles that Margot Robbie is, is up for. She should, like to me when you think well, of. I mean, go go ahead. I was just I was just thinking that this could be something like that's like this is something that like heavily is getting uh, uh you know praise a lot of con. a lot of praise at con. So it's like put these two big mega stars together and see what they can do in this, mm-hmm. you know, crazy survival story. Um, so I think like she's getting up there, uh, in being a, one of the top actresses. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I'm actually more interested in this and guilty and guilty with Me you know, too. anything that may, puts Jake Gyllenhaal and Paul Dano on the same screen together again. Again. Yeah, man. And you throw Ethan Hawke and Bill Burr in there. I feel like we know Riley kill, but I can't think of, we do. That is right now. Let me let me just real quick see her face because oh okay yeah know who that is Mad Max yeah. the Lodge oh she's Zola 
Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh, that movie's gonna be great. Oh man, we're reviewing that. We're definitely yeah. reviewing that Zola movie. I know she's in Zola, but is she playing Zola? No, she's not playing Zola. Zola's the black girl. She's playing she's like Zola's, a friend. She's Zola's white friend who gets yeah. her in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that movie. Good for yo, Riley Keough is about to have a breakout because I think that Zola movie is gonna be a hit, gonna be bigger than like you remember when Cardi B's Hustler, well, not Cardi B, J Lo's Hustlers dropped. I think it's gonna be like that big. Yeah, and she was also that. in that uh, that Tom Holland movie that came out last uh, last year. Mm. Double all the time. Yeah, true, 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 true. All right, well, next up we got Jerry Seinfeld back into the world of television and movies. Jerry Seinfeld will star in, direct, and produce Unfrosted, a film comedy he co-wrote with Spike Fernstein and Barry Martyr that is inspired on a joke he told on a stand-up stage about the world-shaking invention of Pop-Tarts. Netflix is committed to a green light in production starting next spring. What is Seinfeld doing? What is this? I, you know I'm a big Seinfeld guy, but... Maybe. It only makes sense because this is something that he talked about in a stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to get back with Larry David and just make gold again. Because this, I don't know what this is about to be. I mean, hell, man. Like, he's just trying to make stuff again. Netflix. I mean, he has that Netflix contract. So. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got to make stuff. He can't just sit on his ass and give them yeah. comedians drinking coffee. <laughs> like, Netflix is like, all right, enough. Enough is enough. Get back to acting, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, Jerry. B-movie too. <laughs> Yo, B-movie too would be great. But uh, next up, we got Critical Role gave fans a first look at the character art for the upcoming Amazon original animated series, The Legend of Vox Machina, created by Emmy-winning artist, animator, and designer Phil Barassa. The Legend of Vox Machina follows a group of second-rate adventures on a quest to save the realm from terrifying monsters, dark magical forces. According to Critical Role, in the first season, the Motley crew will face undead giants, overthrow a sinister necromancer, and confront a powerful curse that's taken root inside their own group. Excuse me. Are you excited for the legend of Vox Machina? Uh, yeah, only because it's Amazon. True. Um, True. Yeah, I mean, like, if it wasn't Amazon, I wouldn't I would hear none. I need, to, I need to see how, like, some of these... In, okay, here we go. Yeah, they have Oh, the, this the looks images. good. This looks really good. It's 2D. It's not yeah, 3D. CD. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Amazon's doing it, doing it big. Netflix better be worried. If this is a hit, I could see Amazon doing more animation like this. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to read at the moment because, like, you, later on in that story, they do give out the voice cast, and it was literally no one I've ever heard of. Yeah, so. I just saw that. I just it's it's literally a bunch of nobodies, but good for them, busting on the scene. Yeah, I mean, it could it could be busting on the scene. It could be that not you just good, don't but. know them. Yeah, but obviously the art's going to be great. The animation's going to be great. So, mm-hmm. and Amazon hasn't artist, done this wrong, animator so. and designer. So, like, I trust Phil Barassa. He's worked on some of our favorite stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah, watch. I'll tell you what Phil Barassa's worked on. Phil Barassa. I, I definitely. Oh, I mean, it does have a similar look to like some other 2D. Look, to me, it looks like the animation of some of the DC movies we've seen. So he's worked on Blood of Zeus, the most recent Netflix anime, which I really love. Right. He's worked on Justice League Dark, Apocalypse there War, Death and Return of Superman, Batman Hush, Reign of the there Superman, The Death of Superman, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, 
uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans, Batman Bad Blood, Batman yep, versus man. Robin, Son of Batman, nice. Justice League War, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, Young Justice, the TV show, Justice League Doom, Shazam, Superman, Return of Black Adam, um, Spectacular yeah, Spider Man. Like that DC stuff when I was in like... your in your show, Spectacular Spider Man with a uh, man who can't be mentioned anymore. Jailbird. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's Josh Keaton as Peter Parker. Excuse me. Yeah, it's a different show. Oh, that's the one in between. That one's really good too, though. So, but Phil Barassa, he's worked on all the stuff we love. So I'm gonna give this a shot because cool. of him. Yeah, I'm interested to see like a trailer later down the line. Yep. Uh, so John Malkovich, Cameron Monaghan, and Lily Krug are will star in an upcoming action thriller called Shatter, directed by Luis Prito. Uh, Krug plays a Kong artist. Uh, Mon- Monaghan as, or sorry, Krug plays a con artist. Monaghan as the millionaire who falls in love with her, and Malkovich plays a creepy landlord whose curiosity overwhelms him. Frank Grillo will also be in this. He nice. plays Krug's character's violent, manipulative stepfather. The cast also includes Sasha Luce, uh, Ash Santos, who is in the Joe Bell. Guy Joe Bell, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Riley Bateman. Uh, the film is just wrapped up in Montana, which much of the action taking place in the luxury surrounds of a mansion and an exclusive Big Sky ski resort. The project is now in post-production, expected to be completed by the fall. So, you know, imagine some kind of action deal uh, action drama in big sky montana at some random mansion ski resort crazy but good for cameron monahan getting roles i think he's a great actor so him and john malkovich with some frank, frank grillo, grillo acting action let's go baby you know frank grillo's our guy so i'm I, I need to see a trailer for this but this this could be interesting yeah i think we'll we'll get more later on this year all right dope so. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, he or Skarsgård, he's gonna star in Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool, a sci-fi thriller about a vacation that takes a twist. The official long line is James and Erm or an M are young, rich, and in love and on vacation. Their all-inclusive resort boasts island tours and gleaming beaches, but outside of the hotel gates waits something much more dangerous and seductive beyond the edge of paradise. Ooh, okay. That sounds what's up. I'm, I'm that. Uh, that could be interesting. Could um, be. It's definitely going to have probably some Cronenberg weirdness. Some Cronenbergian. So good for the Skarsgård family. Always killing it, doing some good stuff. So you know, sci-fi thriller. Always down yep. for that. Next up is a big one. The Transformers movie franchise will take on the Beast Wars storyline from the late 1990s in Transformers Rise of the Beasts with director mm-hmm. Stephen Capel Jr. directing. The Let's film go. will be set in 1994, so as to not intersect with uh, the five Transformer movies directed by Michael Bay. Rise of the Beasts will be a s- spectacle story in the tradition of the Bay films. Um, the action will move to New York City and will incorporate, or yeah, and will incorporate two new human characters, Elena, played by Dominique Fishback, an artifact researcher who keeps having credit for her work taken by her boss, and Noah, played by Anthony Ramos, an ex-military electronics expert who lives with his family in Brooklyn. The production will also shoot in Peru, including a rare opportunity to film at the ancient Incan ruins of Machu Picchu. 
Bumblebee will return in Rise of Beast, but the film will focus more on Optimus Prime, uh, serving as kind of an origin story as he arrives on Earth for the first time and learns to become a leader. Otherwise, the film will draw from the Beast Wars animated series, which focused on robots who transform themselves into animals as opposed to vehicles. I actually think I had a toy of this. As Cable explained in the film, these Transformers are prehistoric animals that travel through time and space, and we find them on Earth. They include Aerozor, who can become a falcon, Rhinox, who can become a rhinoceros, pretty obvious there, and Optimus Prime, uh, or Optimus Primal, a different character from Optimus Prime, who can transform into a massive gorilla and is a leader of the beast-like Maximals. Nice. All right, let's get it, man. Optimus Prime, he's going to look like the classic version. Stephen Cable Jr., big fan. Anytime we've seen anyone that's not Michael Bay work on Transformers, it's usually been a success. So hopefully well, we've seen one. Hopefully, this nine. could be like a soft reboot. It's, yeah, I think that's kind of what they're leaning towards here because you'll get... Because like from Transformers 1 with... Shia LaBeouf, like that was their first time on being Earth. there. And that's what upsets me when you get later down the line in those Transformers movies, like Dark Knight, I mean, or, or Dark King or whatever it is, Dark where Knight. it's the dinosaurs the and, and, and they go pick up the, the Excalibur saying that Transformers have been there the whole time. No, they haven't. Or the Dark Side of the Moon where they've been living on the moon. No, they haven't. So to me, this feels like a soft reboot. Yeah, you can start with Bumblebee and obviously this is going to... This takes place like a decade later. Mm-hmm. Um, is going to be in it, so maybe it is kind of like a soft reboot. Uh, it is interesting that they are going with the Beast Wars storyline, uh, something that was really popular in the 90s. Like I said, I think I remember having toys, but I definitely remember the cartoon series about it. And I remember the little figures that you, because the Beast people would like add and like upgrade the uh, Transformers. I definitely remember toys about that. So yeah. this this could be dope. Also, rumor, breaking news, Tom Welling did a cameo just now, and apparently it's DC Greenlighted. Tom Welling's coming back to do a Smallville animated series. To continue oh. on his character as as Superman from Smallville. Okay, well, that was random. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. But uh, next up, we got <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg, Adrian Brody, Riley Keough again has been cast in director John Trengrove's English language feature debut, Man... Uh, Manodrome. The South African director presents a nihilistic thriller uh, following Ralphie, an Uber driver and aspiring bodybuilder who is inducted into a libertarian (laughs) masculinity cult and loses his grip on reality when he repressed desires are awakened. Bro, this is either going to be incredible or this is going to be like, what the fuck is this? And I think I'm leaning towards incredible because Jesse Eisenberg, Adrian Brody and Riley Keough Riley Keough's about to have a breakout year, and I really think she's going to be one of the best young actresses. I'm loving what she's doing. Yeah, this sounds like a really interesting concept, and just the fact that Jesse Eisenberg is supposed to play this Uber driver and aspiring bodyguard just makes me <laughs> no like, aspiring bodybuilder, not bodyguard. Body Sorry, bodybuilder. That's, that's skinny ass Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> like, is he about to be ripped? Like, maybe has he been in the gym? Like, I haven't <laughs> seen him recently. I haven't either. So you know. 
this this could be this could be very interesting. Gonna have For to sure. wait and see on this. But next up, Paramount Plus is betting the house on Jerry and Marge go large. The true story of a lotto scamming couple to be played by Brian Cranston and Annette Bidding. Director David Frankel, the Denver Watch Prada, and Marley and Me will direct the tale of retired Michigan couple who helped revitalize their community by defying uh gam- gaming the Massachusetts lottery. Cranston will play Jerry Selby, a retiree who discovers a mathematical loophole in the Massachusetts lottery with the help of his wife Large wins Marge wins $27 million and uses the money to revive their small Michigan town. Marge, I mean Benning will be playing Marge Selby. This could be cool, man. I think it's gonna be pretty cool. It's uh Paramount Plus needs it to work. Yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't heard bad things about Infinite. Um, Me neither. So, I, I heard Infinite's actually pretty decent. So they could be having, you know, I think that Paramount Plus really could be pushing their way into the streaming wars because, like, you, you have Infinite, who had, which we haven't heard is bad. You have iCarly, like, which I haven't heard is bad. Yeah. Um. So I actually heard iCarly's good. Yeah, I, I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. Me neither. But, uh, yeah, I mean... And just for iCarly alone, I've been like clamoring on getting Paramount Plus. So it's just like if they can keep out putting stuff out like this, that seems like it'd be interesting to like keep for a long term. Then like you know maybe it'll be part of the part of the the monthly billing. Yep. So we're gonna have to wait and see. But speaking of the Cage Assants, Nicholas Cage is lined up to play a buffalo hunter in an adaptation of John Williams' novel Butcher's Crossing, directed by Red Army Helmer Gabe Polsky. The film is set in 1870 in Fine Cage, playing Kansas Buffalo Hunter Miller, who takes on a young Harvard dropout seeking his destiny in the West. Together they embark on a harrowing journey, risking life and sanity. Oh my gosh, bro. Nicholas Cage, I told you, is the straight-to-DVD Cage Assange. This dude's just doing anything that he thinks is interesting. And I'm here for it. <laughs> maybe maybe you know, he he liked uh, his work with Nat Wolf, or not Nat Wolf, Alex Wolf, <laughs> and Alex Wolf can come and be the young Harvard dropout, and they'll go out to the West and hunt some buffaloes. <laughs> Crazy, man. <laughs> Whatever. Good for Nicholas Cage, man. Whatever. That's all I got to say on that. <laughs> So Shailene Woodley, when she's not with her fiance Aaron Rodgers, she's going to star. Yeah, she's going to star in Robots, which is being described as a fast-paced comedy from Anthony Hines, one of the writers of Borat and Bruno. Roberts is uh, sorry. Robots is based on a short story by science fiction writer Robert Schlecky. It mm-hmm. focuses on a womanizer and a gold digger who are forced to team up and pursue robot uh, and and pursue robot doubles of themselves who have in turn fallen in love and absconded together. Woodley will star alongside Jack Whitehall, who appears in the upcoming Disney film Jungle Cruise. Okay. Okay, cool. This could be interesting. Maybe. It could be. Or it could be a giant mess. Yeah, big like, dumpster fire. Because, like, you know, Anthony Hines, writer of Borat, really interesting and funny. Bruno, huge mess. So <laughs> if we can get something in between, yeah, maybe. Yeah, true, 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 true. We're going to have to wait and see, man. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, Shay- Shailene Woodley really doesn't have that great track record. I know. She needs honest. a hit. She really does because all her movies have been, if not for uh, Divergent. Movie, I don't like the Divergent movies. So the only that, thing, movie, the only movie that she has ever been in that I've liked is Spectacular Now. And that's more mm-hmm. so for Miles Teller. 
True. Yikes. Poor, Sh- poor Shailene Woodley. Hey, well, you know, she's with Aaron Rodgers now. And he, he and he's about to get a bigger bag. <laughs> uh, European film and TV group Studio Canals teaming up with uh, Imperative Entertainment to make a psychological thriller called Cat Person based on the short story by Christian uh, Rupenian, which was published in the New Yorker in 2017 and went on to become the most downloaded fiction of that year. Cat Person will be directed by Susan Fogel, who directed The Flight Attendant and The Wilds, two really, really great series, one on Amazon, one on HBO Max. And it'll be written by Michelle Ashford. The psychological thriller will star Emmy-nominated Nicholas Braun, uh, whose credits... Uh, are Secession and Zola and Amelia Jones, who is the star of Lock and Key. Uh, Rupian's short story turns on the casual but increasingly discom- discomforting, discomforting sorry, relationship between Margot, a 20-year-old college student, and Robert, a 35-year-old who goes to the movie theater where Margot works. Um, it's uh, Fogel says in an interview using Christian's excruciatingly well-observed short story about the horrors of dating as the jumping off point for an actual genre film cat person will explore the hellscape of modern romance and the idea that we all have been the villain in someone else's story and the victim in others. Mm. Maybe it's good. I need to see a trailer. I think it's going to be something that, you know, may, I don't know if it's going to be a theater movie, but it mm-hmm. might get picked up by a streamer and be like something like, you know, I, I you know, think, think Zola in a case, you know, something that has some legs, something that may not be as flashy as some of the movies that you're going to get, but it's going to get really dive into some cerebral stuff. Got you. Yeah. And All then right. the last story I have here is, you know, this is a time-sensitive story. If you are a listener to the podcast and you are listening in between the June twenty-second <laughs> and June thirtieth, go to an AMC theater. They are doing all-you-can-eat popcorn. Oh, okay. Too bad I have no AMC theaters around me. Nope. Well, that sucks. I got all AMC <laughs> theaters around me. Fucking asshole. Hey, you know Louisiana is not an AMC place. We are in New Orleans. Yeah, look, I don't live in New Orleans. So partner gotta deal with gotta deal with the deal with. You can go to uh, Baton Rouge, they got one. I'm gonna go to Baton Rouge just for free popcorn. Yeah. (laughs) All you can eat. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But honestly, as we move into movie on the rise, there ain't that much. Exactly. That's I'm I'm like struggling to find something right now. But with that being said, let's get into the uh part of the show where we suggest one movie or TV show that's coming out this week or that may have been out for a little while that we think you should check out. It's called Movie on the Rise. Schubert, what you got for us this week? Well, like you mentioned earlier, Too Hot to Handle is out now. Go check it out. Uh the other thing that we talked about, we talked about the trailer, I think a week or two ago, the uh movie False Positive. Starring uh, the Broad City star, Alana Glazer. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in checking that out this weekend. I'm definitely going to have to check out False Positive because, you know, we're big Alana Glazer fans over here at the Bros Who Think Network. So I'm definitely going to give that a, a view. And I definitely think if you're a reality TV fan, you should definitely check out Too Hot to Handle. And this is me vamping while trying to find something. You can just anything. say Too Hot to Handle, man. No, 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 no. You already said it. You already said it. So I'm going to find something. 
I heard Fatal is is trash. That's out now on HBO. I heard it's horrible. Um, okay, okay, okay. I think I got something. I think I got something. Watch Cold Case. Um, yeah, no, Cold Case is great, but I do have something. Godzilla Singular Point comes out on the twenty fourth of June. So that'll be out tomorrow by the time you guys hear this. And that's the new Godzilla anime. It actually, it, I, I've heard great things about it. Chris has watched a couple episodes. He said it's amazing. So I'm going to watch it. And I think it's dope. So I definitely think that's something y'all should uh, check out. Godzilla, singular point. Or if you want a little movie action, The Ice Road, the new, uh, the new Liam Neeson movie where basically he's an ice uh. road trucker. Going and doing Liam Neeson shit. Where's that on? Uh, Netflix. Okay, <laughs> it's a Netflix film. But again, the thing that I'm really recommending: Godzilla Singular Point. Now, with that being said, it's time to get into the interview with Justin to talk all things late night TV and the end of an era. The Conan O'Brien show is ending, so let's get let's talk to Justin Ivy, get his thoughts on all of that right now. Alrighty, bros who binge fan base, because we are the movie TV podcast, there's a legendary show ending by the time you guys hear this. Today, the Conan show is ending. Conan's leaving network television. He made a deal with HBO, and me and Schubert figured, well, neither of us watch Conan, and then Justin hit me up. Our guy, Justin Ivy, host of Never Less Than Ill, hit me up. was like, yo, I'm a big Conan fan. If you think there's any place we could talk about it, let me know. And funny enough, this is the place we do it. So welcoming into the show, host of Never Less Than Ill, Mr. Justin Ivy. You've been on this show before. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Lynn. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I'm doing well. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little it's going to be a little weird. Uh of starting next week, I will not have part of my routine, which was just throwing on Conan every night. Crazy. And, and we're going to get to that. And first off, let me just ask you this. How, where do you think Conan's legacy lies in terms of the late night lexicon against the Johnny uh, Carsons, the David Letterman's, the Jay Leno's, the Kimmel's, the Fallon's and so on? Yeah, I, I think, Honestly, uh, Carson's always going to be the king. It's like mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't experience Carson. You know, I wasn't old enough, obviously, to to do that. But it's like his imprint is forever going to be on late night television. And then I think it's then it's the kind of question: who's two? You know? And, yeah. Uh, I think some people. It's uh, and I think it's kind of generational, probably, because it's like if you if you were old enough to like really experience letterman like in his prime letterman's probably your guy or if you only watched uh you know cbs when he moved to cbs like maybe letterman's your guy uh but i think kind of for the the 90s um and then kind of into my generation like the 90s kids who are are coming of age in the early 2000s like conan was the guy and i think i think what to me makes Conan definitely number two behind Carson is just because his audience kept evolving. Like he kept, like he found this new life with the whole team Coco. And when he went to TBS after the tonight show mess and like, he finds this 
audience on YouTube that doesn't even watch the show on regular TV. And, and so I think that's always what impressed me with Conan, like watching his fan base was, you know, there were people that like, didn't remember, you know, eras that I watched or, and mm-hmm. then, and then there was a, you know, the whole, you know, it, when he started in 93, I was too young to experience any of that. And so it's like, I miss all these years that like a, an older person, like that was our essential Conan years for them. You know what I mean? It's so it's yeah. like every, every little decade, it's like, you got this new fan base that just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and, and I'm sure people dropped off and, you know, some people, you know, just life, you know, they changed and uh, maybe they weren't watching as much, but I think that's what was impressive about Conan was just how each decade got a new fan base and, you know, moving to HBA with Max, I'll probably find another one, you know? Yeah. And the versatility. So what, so for those that don't know, you, you had, you mentioned three things that I think are important to the Conan story. What was the snafu at the tonight show? If you, if you remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was Jay. This was when Jay Leno was still hosting and so the idea was he was going to, you know, they were going to hand the keys over to Conan basically. How Carson did to, to Leno and, and what it's a, right. So it's, and so they were trying to avoid the whole, you know, Letterman. Yeah. Letterman. And so it was good there, you know, they're going to have a peaceful transition of power, so to speak. And uh, so Conan was going to get the show, you know, because if he didn't, Conan was, you know, some other network was going to want him. Mm-hmm. And so NBC doesn't want that. So, but NBC essentially Jay Leno doesn't want to be done. And so they try to compromise and they give Jay Leno this, his own show, like at nine o'clock, our time, <laughs> 10 o'clock uh, East coast. And that show just is bombing every night and it's pissing off the advertisers. And then it's hurting Conan's tonight show ratings. And so they decide, Oh, we're going to move it back behind the news. And so the tonight show will air 30 minutes later. And Conan didn't want to do that because, you know, it's kind of messing with the whole premise of the, the tonight the show. Yeah. If it starts at midnight, midnight. Eastern. <laughs> so, so they get that snafu. And so basically it's because Jay Little wouldn't go away. <laughs> and, you know, if Jay Little goes away, everything's different. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's kind of one of those beautiful accidents sort of, mm-hmm. you know, because I think not that I didn't enjoy it. Like I was enjoying Conan's tonight show, but it did feel like he had, he was kind of like trying to placate a wider audience, you know, like he knew some stuff that he did at late night wouldn't go over as well at that time slot or whatever. So he's trying to kind of play ball a little bit. And so I think it was kind of, you know, a, a blessing in disguise to where he ends up going to TBS and he's got free reign to do whatever he do. And to me, the TBS show was much more like, you know, what I was, what I had grown up on on late night. And and to me, that was where we got, you know, Conan at his best again. So, and, and let's get to that. What made the TBS show so special in your opinion? What did you connect to with it? And in comparison to guys like a Kimmel, like a Fallon who are doing these late night TV shows, basically I'm getting, I'm at what made Conan special to you? Yeah. For me, you know, some of it was a bit of legacy, I guess, in a way, because, uh, you know, I was going to follow Conan wherever he went. Uh, uh, I grew up on the late night NBC show. Uh, you know, I used to comedy central used to have reruns 
And so that was how I'd watch it before DVR. And then DVR came around. So then I got, and then, you know, finally I get old enough for where I got to watch it, you know, regular time or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was going to kind of follow Conan, you know, wherever he went. And, but I think what made that transition to TBS so fun for a lot of people was just, you know, kind of that he was going to cable and it felt like he could be loose again and it was like he was going to be unrestricted and they you know and it could kind of be you know as unhinged and, and wild and zany as the old show would be and, and it was and, and so and i know a lot of people like were just big into that like team coco movement and it was like you know jay leno was kind of like the the, the villain player. You know, yeah, like, you know, the villain of the story, but also he's like the cookie cutter, your parents version of what mm. late night is. It's like, yeah, Conan, yeah, that's like for the, us, you know, millennials, like that's the Conan, that's what the Conan show is. And so uh, I think a lot of people got attached to that, you know, at the time, maybe they didn't like stick with it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just got older. It's like, oh, I don't care about this as much anymore. But uh, yeah, to me, like the TBS show, I know like some people will feel like, oh, well, late night was the best years, you know, T- the T- the TBS show wasn't as good. It's like, I never felt that way. Like I always felt like the quality was still great. And, uh, you know, I you know, funny sketches, funny sketch players, and just uh, so many of the things that I loved about the show, you know, whether it was, introducing me to comedians or musicians and just the daily kind of, you know, wild uh, antics were, were all fun for me. Any, any interview in particular, any music performance that sticks out in your head that was legendary on the Conan show? Mm. Well, I know for me, my favorite uh, musical performance ever was this guy Bernhoft, who's like a, okay multi-instrumentalist soulful singer and i had never heard of him before and like he just blew me away on the show and i immediately became a fan and like that was something that would happen often like the conan show would introduce me to stuff and uh then that was what uh, happened with me with like stand-up comedians all the time uh I i found so many of my what would become my like favorite stand-up comedians because they would do a set on Conan and it's just I think you know his booker you know and whoever's in charge of like getting the talent like they just kind of had the eye for you know what that audience would love like what Conan Conan's audience like they would find you know comedians that weren't like big mainstream stars and kind of off the beaten path maybe doing like you know doing uh alternative clubs and kind of things like that and you would get to experience them on uh they would kind of you get the wider audience of conan then man and then now i'd want to see all their stand-up specials and you know i'd become a loyal fan of them just because uh they they had that sensibility i actually i did uh, i did want to like point out that a little bit I, i was writing it down i was just thinking of like man who are some of my favorite comedians you know, that aren't like the, the, the legends, like mm-hmm. from, you know, what, like way back. And I was just like, okay, Zach Galifianakis, Roy Scoville, John Doerr, Dion Cole, Marina Franklin, Moses Storm, Jenna Friedman, Patrice O'Neill, Ron Funches, Maria Bamford. I oh, literally, Conan. first time I all I saw any of them was either on late night with Conan or the Conan show. That's amazing, <laughs> man. And, and when you think of names, like you said, just two names that stick out in my mind, the Zach Galifianakis and Patrice O'Neill, two polar opposite comedians, but 
two comedians that are so important for where comedy is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think, I oh think no, go you, ahead. Yeah, yeah, I think you see that a lot. Is uh, you know, I'm watching the the, the last couple of shows. And they're talking about you know, like Bill Hader's talking about you know that Conan was the show that his like he watched you know mm-hmm. growing up, and uh, and you like you hear that a lot. Like just guys that like went on you know went on SNL or uh, you know comedians uh, or stand up comedians. Like they're all it's just there's a whole generation that just like Conan influenced them or like made them think, Oh, I can do that, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so I, I think John Mulaney is another one who was like, Oh, mm. that, that's what Conan was like, gave, it was a gateway for me. And so it's like, Oh man, it's like all these people I love were all influenced by him too. It's like, you, it's like you start to see like, Oh, okay. Maybe that's why I like them is they have the, you know, they gain some influence some sensibility from him. Now, how do you feel about the Paul Rudd sketch that's been trending? As I, lo- I mean, to have a bit run for, I guess, I mean, over 15 years, uh, maybe that pretty much. Yeah. It's like, it's just, <laughs> you know, I loved it. It was like every time Paul Rudd came on the show, you know, you didn't get it the first couple of times. Cause you're like, you know, it wasn't a thing yet, but it's like once it became established, it's like you start rooting for the Paul Rudd bit and then you start like wondering how he's going to show this ridiculous clip from Mac and me. It's like, you OK, you've never he, he just find ways to do it that were that somehow found a way to surprise you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you'd be like, you know, but yeah, just just the commitment to that bit like that you would every time you're promoting a movie and this movie, you know, this movie studio wants you to show this clip on this late night show. Cause they got a job to do <laughs> to promote this movie and you just commit to this bit and never show your actual movie clip and just show this ridiculous Mac and me clip from <laughs> this terrible movie. I, I loved it. Now, what do you want to see from looking to the future? What do you want to see from Conan O'Brien heading into HBO and HBO max. Yeah, that's, it's going to be interesting. Cause you know, you, you get so used to like the late night format and he is, and I do love it. I do love his interviews. Like when they're, when they're funny, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, but when there's somebody, I, I think that's probably part of maybe why he's, you know, flipping this up. It's like, now he has his own podcast and he could do the longer interviews there. And, he, and then, you know, you don't have to do this kind of TV interview quick. You've got commercials in a hit kind of thing. But I think that was always the thing on the show, you know, you, that you would, that I wouldn't like, would be like, Oh, he has a guest on and they're kind of boring or that, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're not quick comedically. And so mm-hmm. he's just kind of like having to pull strings out of them to get, you know, you know, something funny from them. It's like when he has a comedian on or just a funny actor or just somebody that, you know, can play off his humor. It's like, it's the it's quips hilarious. can keep coming. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, you have Will Ferrell on there. He's has like uh Tigna Kataro, the comedian that she was on there recently. I saw um, him and Seth Rogen just was smoking weed live on air. Right. It's like yeah. when you got somebody that, that'll play, along with you it's it's gold but it's like so i'm thinking the hbo show i don't know i'm thinking it's something that won't be an interview thing you know mm. that way it's like you can go to the podcast to get that stuff and i'm hoping the hbo show will be just kind of you know more of his you know him going out in the real world and just 
being himself is like that those those man on the street bits type of things are, are always hilarious when he just goes somewhere and he's yeah you know just showing up at a, a george lucas lucas films uh or going to the taco bell headquarters or uh <laughs> or or you know him just roaming around new york like uh working at a chinese restaurant like those just talking of, to random people he's just yeah where he's like interacting with real people and mm-hmm. just kind of uh, and, and like those things are amazing so i'm i think it's going to be like more of that more of like you know his show conan without borders those specials that are that are you know, on netflix and uh i think it's going to be like more of that maybe sketch i'm hoping sketches too because i still love the sketches but I don't, you know, I don't know. I, the, I think they called it that he's going to do a variety show. So yeah, it seems I, like- I, I literally just read the the uh, deadline report and that's exactly what it is. And yeah. that's why I wanted to ask if you think it would be more John Oliver, more Bill Maher or more what you're saying, Conan Without Borders, more man on the street, more sketch comedy yeah. and less I- interview p- political com- commentary like a John Oliver, like a Bill Maher. Oh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean that's one thing that Conan's always stood out. Not that he didn't do politics jokes. It's like, you know, something the president did, he's going to make a joke about it or in a monologue or whatever, but like he was never, you know, the political comedian. And so, you know, I definitely don't see him doing some format, uh, you know, in the vein of John Oliver or anything like that. It's going to be polar opposite. It's going to be, uh, I'm imagining something kind of just embracing his absurdity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, putting him out in the world. You know, obviously that's uh, things are opening up again. And so, you know, I, I'm guessing maybe that has some of the to do with like, you know, why they're ambiguous and vague about the timing of when the show will come back because, you know, they're kind of waiting for the world to open up again uh, properly so that he can go out and, you know, do what he does. And then, but yeah, I'm hoping there'll be some kind of uh, in-house sketches and maybe, you know, something, something that still has that live audience there. Cause like him, him just riffing off the audience. Like there, there was one time on, on the Conan show where he's just like, uh, you know, some guy's phone goes off and he just stops the show. It's <laughs> like, and he walks up and he's like, who's calling you call him back. He was like, <laughs> so they get into like a whole conversation. All this stuff makes TV. You know, it's just, I love those kind of moments where he's just like improv and reacting to people off the, in the, in the studio on it. Well, when, when uh, the HBO show comes, when I have to get you come back, review it and get your take on it. Mm-hmm. And so the final question, if you could give, a ranking of five just to keep it to five. You don't have to do a particular order unless you, unless you want, what would be your ranking of the late night shows? Top five in your opinion. Okay. Um, ever or like the ones recently or what? Uh, let's exclude Carson. Let's ex- uh, if you want to put Letterman and Lino in there, you can, okay. but I was thinking more late nineties to now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll go. I mean, I'll I'll ham fist them together because to me, they're all just the same show that evolved with the networks, you know, (laughs) but late night slash Conan. uh, That's number one for me Uh, Two, the Colbert report. That's number that's got to be number two for me. I love that show. Three, I'll go the Daily Show when it was hosted by Jon Stewart, because I don't I'm not crazy about Trevor Noah. I mean, I think he's a fine comedian, but I don't think he's like really in the Daily Show 
kind of his side hosts are better to, to me than him. Like I love right, Roy I, Woods Jr. Oh, Roy Woods the best. Like I, I yeah, I wish Roy Wood had a show on. Same. <laughs> like Roy Wood and Jordan Clapper, they're hilarious. Yes. And but uh yeah, so I'll say Daily Show with John Stewart, uh three. Uh probably four. I guess I have to give it to Kimmel. I'm not like a huge Kimmel fan or anything, but I think, you know, what he's done, it's kind of, you know, kind of deserves that top five ranking and uh, five. I'll personally go with uh, Seth Meyer. Nice. Uh, Okay. I like that. See, for me, I go, I think I would go one daily show with Jon Stewart Mm. Two. Kimmel, I'm just a big Kimmel guy. I like I he, cheesy, but I love it. I love the interviews with the actors. I love the Ben Affleck stuff. I'll go Conan three, Colbert four, mm. and then five. I can't give it to Fallon, so I love your Seth Myers pick. I'm going Seth Myers too. I would I would go Fallon if it was just judging the roots. <laughs> like, Fallon has- for me, is like Fallon has the best house band. I mean, I love Conan's band. It was like, it's the roots, man. It's the roots. Nothing but, competes with that. And so it's like, but I would, I don't want any other part of that show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I agree. What the roots did. I agree with you 100%. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for coming on. I think this was a conversation that needs to happen. It's very important. Like we said, an era of late nights coming to an end, something that is a staple in television. So I'm glad we could have you tell the people where they can follow you at on social media. Oh yeah. You can uh, follow me, Justin Ivy, I V E Y underscore on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, and check us out right here on the bros who think network, the never less than L podcast. Every two weeks, we got to put out a new episode. Yep. And the most recent episode just dropped. Uh, it's episode six, kind of cunning linguist with Shiesty Christ. Justin sat down with Shiesty Christ to discuss all things from the Kentucky from the Kentucky hip hop group Cunning Linguist. And then at the end, we give a you know, we do our listener line. Yeah, me and Justin giving some suggestions. Do you have a tease for the people of what's next? Or are we waiting on that? Oh, uh, yeah, we could tease. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we're gonna take a little venture back into the East Coast and we're gonna go, uh, Give a little in-depth go with the Mr. Rock Marciano. Ooh, I'm excited for that. I'm a big Rock Marciano guy, so y'all be looking forward to that. That'll be out in two weeks, but like I said, check out the most recent episode that Justin just put out with uh, Cunning Linguist, so be sure to check that out. But with that being said, let's finish up Bros Who Binge. Back to you, Schubert. Thanks, Lyndon and Justin. That was a really interesting conversation on late night. You know, like I mentioned early on, like, you know, not too big on it, but, you know, seeing the passion that yeah, at least Justin has for uh, for Conan, you know, definitely. He loves him. He he legit yeah. said he's the second best late night person of all time behind Johnny well, Carson. he might be. You I think mean, he so? Might be. He might I mean, be. I, I mean, I don't really know. I can't really be a good judge of character on that. But, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, for him to be, running Doing in the it for game so long it's like him and jimmy kimmel i feel like have been on on the same like they've been doing it around the same time because he, he was doing it during the leno yeah he did the era. tonight show and then he did the late night show with uh conan then switched yeah. to tbs had his podcast and now he's about to do hb something with hbo so that just says how talented conan is i, I yeah i think 
him doing something new now, especially with HBO, could really be something special. Could be uh, you something know, big. Because like what last week tonight with John Oliver does on HBO, I think like he could do something almost not, not similar to it, but something in his own vein. That That's like entertainment like television with comedy yeah. and sketches mm-hmm. and stuff. Whereas John Oliver go, goes more political, Conan could go more comedic. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you. So, but all right, where are we starting with? We start with Loki. Dave. Oh, let's start with Loki. Loki oh, was you didn't all like right. this episode. It was all right. It was all right. Literally, nothing happened. <laughs> this was more of like a understanding just that Sylvie is. Uh, I still think she's getting... the enchantress, even though like they tried their hardest to make us think she's not. Yeah, because she's just so different than like to be a different uh, version to be of Loki. Lady Loki. Yeah, man, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And to me, the only cool thing is that we find out that all the agents of the TVA are variants. That was the coolest thing in the episode. So it's like, whoa, does Morbius know? Uh, does Mobius know this? And she said, apparently they don't. Yeah. He's not. And like that makes that had the wild speculation on Twitter that maybe he was like a jet ski racer or something. Oh, yeah, true. Cause he, he has a love for jet skis. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's something like that makes a lot of sense now. Now that we hear that bit of information, uh, thinking about other things that happened, like I thought the visuals at the very end were really cool. Yeah. Uh, everyone, the other thing that was going around Twitter a lot was like, if Loki can stop a building like that, how can you stop Thanos? Well, Thanos had the, Infinity was Finley had the Infinity Gauntlet and the stones for one and, and stones. some stones. Yeah, so like give Loki a little bit of break there. Like a building is outmatched. different from the Power Stone. Yeah, like come on. <laughs> they give like, Loki yeah. a hard time, man. But you know who I can't stand, and I love their Lovecraft Country. I do not like the TVA agent who is the. But she wasn't even in this for real. I don't like her, bro. I just not a fan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> not a fan. She's too, she's too, what's the word I'm looking for in this? She's too against Loki. She's too pro TVA. When she don't know yeah. shit about the TVA, TVA is using you. You're a variant, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, some of the little backstory information that we got out of that was was good. Um, you know, I thought this was like more of a characterization of Loki because in the past two episodes, it's really kind of been bang, bang, bang. This is what he's doing. This is where we're going. Uh-huh. Like, this is kind of like more of us really kind of diving in depth of like what Loki is as a character at this point. And you've got to remember that this is a Loki that hasn't been in Thor Ragnarok. Hasn't who, hasn't, been, who hasn't made the change to a good person. So exactly. we're seeing that happen in lifetime. Yeah. So like that's kind of, that's been kind of interesting. You learn a little bit more about him and his back especially for someone like me who didn't really watch the early Thors and like could not mm-hmm. tell you what happened in Thor and Thor Dark World. And uh, so like this kind of is more of like me learning who Loki is and like enjoying that and liking him. Uh, I guess we, you know, we would need to address that he came out uh, bisexual. bisexual. Yeah. I mean, cool. I mean, was, Good for Loki. Like, I yeah, mean, like, I mean, it, I didn't, I, it, it, it wasn't a big deal to me. It, like, It really wasn't anything that like, I was like, like the, Oh, like, the blah, fact blah. that that's what people are talking about with this episode really shows me how weak this episode was. Yeah, it was a, a sad Twitter thread that I saw when uh, discussing film was like the person who is in charge of uh, of uh, Miss Marvel is in charge of Loki. Well, wrote this episode of Loki. Yeah, and everyone was like, "Ooh, <laughs> you're ready for a lot of talking and doing nothing." <laughs> that's all that happened man and it was just like 
I've, I've been saying that Loki was going to be better than WandaVision, but not as good as Captain America, Winter Soldier. And, you know, it's feeling like... I mean, Wanda- I still feel like it is. Like, I, that's why I'm saying, like, a lot of people are dogging on this episode. But, like, I didn't have I didn't have too big of an issue with this episode, really. It was just a lot of exposition for me. And I'm just ready for Loki action. Like, I want to see him bust out his knives, start... But, I mean, he did, though. Like, that, like at the end and on the train. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, I thought there were a lot of... Not a lot, but, I mean, I thought there were some... A couple good, of action scenes. A pretty a couple of good action scenes. And I think they've been more action scenes for him, specifically, than have been in the past two episodes. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Maybe I'm just hating. Maybe I'm just hating too hard. I just, I just don't. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't understand like what people were expecting out of this episode. I mean, like, there obviously could have been more, and like, you know, maybe they spend a little bit too much time doing this, but they're stuck there. So, like, that's cliffhanger. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen now. Like, I just felt like we didn't off. progress. Yeah, and the issue with that is the number of episodes. Like, that's if we the had, thing. If we had a little bit more episodes, like, here, oh, don't like, we only like, have like, three left? Like if we had as many episodes as Wandavision, then I don't mind screwing around, you know. And and that's like my we thing. only have as many three as left, Falcon huh? Winter Soldier did. Yes, yeah. so six. Like it's like with three episodes left, what are you gonna accomplish? Like I just don't, I just don't know what the purpose of this show is at this point. And we're three episodes in. I mean, I kind of see a few different purposes of the show. I think you know. One, we're going to like really dive into what the TVA is and how what kind of control it has on like Marvel as, 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 as a itself whole. And, and what it's going to accrue to like our, our timeline that we're focused on. With, with like, Ant-Man in the quantum verse, multiverse of madness, just all the time travel stuff that's coming up with Kang and everything. Well, and, you know, the fact that they that timeline is still blown up. So like yeah. we're still going to figure out what's going on with that. Um, but, you know, we're learning a little bit about what, who, who these two Lokis are. And I think, you know, what you were saying, how you don't think that she is a Loki is something that is probably supposed to be point, part of the point of this episode. True. True. So true I think, true. you know, it's just one, maybe if people want, may, I think this is another one of those episodes that once we get all six and then, you know, you watch it a year later, it you're don't like, matter. okay, well, like, I understand like where we're headed. All right, maybe I need to just give it a shot, but you know what I loved? Dave, the first two episodes. I liked the second episode more so than the first episode. The, <laughs> the first, first episode, episode was, was just stressful. It was yeah, stressful. it was stressful. I felt like Gata in, in the taxi. I was like, oh man, my anxiety. <laughs> and and I and like after knowing about all of Gator's past Gator's past history, I'm like, you guys need to chill because Gator yeah. like actually could have an like, anxiety attack. Yeah. Yes, in a panic attack. I just love Andrew uh, uh, Centino. I think that's his name. Or hold on, I'm a, a, Andrew Santiago. No, 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 the red hair. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the the comedian Andrew. Yeah, Andrew Santino. He's hilarious, man. He is my favorite part of Dave. As much as I love Gata, him and Gata are tied. I think he is great in the episode one and just the way he was challenging Dave. Like, you don't have an album. What are you doing, Dave? It's just like, (laughs) bro, go make your fucking album, Dave. You're getting all big headed because people think you're popular and you don't have shit done. I love that at the beginning of that episode too, uh, Dave's like, don't get, get that food away from me. I'm trying to watch like what I eat or whatever. And he's like, I, I, I want to eat that. He's like, but, but you hold it. Awesome, man. It was just absolutely. And awesome. like, uh, you know, Gata being like, oh man, you know, he's all like, well, when um, the manager's all mad at Dave or whatever. And then Gata's like, 
man, I, I trust LD. He's a goat. Like <laughs> n- nobody from my neighborhood make it, makes it to Korea. And then he goes and repeats exactly what Gator said to Dave. <laughs> and then I love how they're trying to get weed in Korea, but you can't get weed in Korea because it's super illegal. Like all that shit's just hilarious to me. Yeah, I thought Gata had a pretty good episode in episode one. I thought he, he had a lot of really funny stuff. And, you know, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this in my sock and don't put it in your sock. I'm, I don't want to be I don't want to be like ASAP Rocky out here. <laughs> oh shit, that was absolutely hilarious. And then when when they find out that the K-pop is ran by the Korean mob, it's just yeah, like yeah. whoa, holy shit, didn't know that. Blew my mind. So just all of that was great. But episode two, seeing Kyle Kuzma threw me for a loop. Put him put after he just had a horrible, horrible game in the playoffs. Season in the playoffs. Dudes was too busy focusing on filming Dave and being a model instead of playing basketball. Yeah, Dave commenting on how pretty he is. (laughs) Nothing about his game. And then old Benny Blanco back in this episode throwing Dave under the bus, having having uh, Kendall Jenner it's being like, uh, I'm sorry, Dave, you're not really my type. Well, I mean, we knew that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's over here being like, yeah, this dude like has like the, this little pocket pussy that like has his lips or whatever. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, why are you telling them this? Like, don't tell him this. And then, but Dave comes back with a good, he's like, yeah, I pretty much reinvented masturbation. <laughs> like, he was, and he was saying, like, early on when, like, Gata's, like, playing with the VR or whatever, which was hilarious. He's like, look, I'm flicking her titties. But, um, but the, was, the second episode's sad because then you get all the alley stuff where he gets fake alley and tries to make a song with her and he's all up in his feels. Uh, I love that stuff, though. <laughs> I thought that, I thought that this episode just like, really hit home on like how he's doing because like he has L's who's disrespecting him mm-hmm. and like he, someone he thought that he was his homie or whatever and like taco. comes off of- that's taco right that's L's I'm pretty sure that's L or is, wait, yeah no. taco yeah yeah okay yeah now wait what were you saying because you froze for a little bit no I was saying like you know he gets disrespected by L's at L's party on a secondhand invite like mm-hmm. you know didn't even get a call before he had texted Allie and it's just like you know, you gotta was, be a better friend. Now. Really dependent on. Well, I mean, obviously they're not friends. Like, you know, he needs to get over that at this point. And like, that's just another thing that's going to be a drawback on his album because, like, that was someone he depended on for beats. So you don't think and, they're friends anymore? Well, I mean, I think that like he really did him wrong or whatever because he didn't seem like he was interested. Like, he's like, "How was your little album coming?" Like, that's just not the kind of stuff that friends say to each yeah, other. Yeah, true. You're right. You're right. You don't say that type of shit. But maybe we don't know what Dave did to Els though. What did he do? Els left. He went to tour with a uh, well, which would be red. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Els got big headed. You're right. You're That's right. What I'm saying, and he goes and has that big party or whatever. Mm. So like you know, and then you know, Dave. It shows like he gets out of that party. He's like, I really just need something to pick me up. And he's like, Well, I know my, I know my demo. And he goes up to like that fratty white boy and and the girl or whatever. And he's like, I just want someone to like recognize because he walks in that party. And he's like, the dude, he thinks the dude's filming him. And it's just like, it's, he he's having like some big ups and downs right now. I think a lot of it has to do with that alley stuff. And I think that having that girl come over and like doing that stuff, it really kind of helps out. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he used 
that conversation as in like album. intro. Yeah, in his album. That's a good point. It look, I'm interested to see where the season goes because I thought Taco was gonna be who plays L's. They say he's gonna be back for the next season, so maybe they try to re- re- mend well, their think, relationship. Yeah. I, I feel like he's gonna have a fallout. And he's gonna have to lean back on Dave. Like I feel like he's gonna get because he. It looks like he's got gotten into coke now. So I mean, yeah, he he's gonna go spiral control. Yeah, and what happened to his Asian girlfriend? Oh well, I mean we've seen her, but like, are are they on the rocks though? Because it didn't seem well, like I mean, they like, were. One hundred percent, like Gucci. Well, that it, it didn't seem like they were girl boyfriend girlfriend at all. It was just like they slept together, or whatever. That was the whole deal that she was telling Dave. She was like, "It's just like it's not. It's different than you and Allie or whatever. We can he, she and I, he and I can still be friends because like we weren't like a full on relationship." True, 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 true. And then like the other thing about that is like, why is he getting so hung up on Allie or whatever when like does he want to be together? And like Gate is like, "That's not how you bag a bitch." And he's like, "I'm not trying to bag a bitch." Gator, absolutely. This is not how you bag a bit. That bro, Gator always he, says the right things at the, the right, right moments. Stuff, man. Like, he's like low key philosopher. <laughs> His D- Dave's true best friend is Gator. Yes, <laughs> and like that, that was good. That's why like the last episode of Dave is so good because he like it really tie in on like how like that relationship really means a lot to him. Wait, you talking about episode three? No, no, no I'm talking about. Oh, like last the last season. episode of last season. Season, okay. Yeah. So I'm about to say, I didn't watch episode on, three. I just watched the on first Charlemagne. Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, 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 true. But yeah, but I mean, solid episodes to start off the season. Great. I haven't watched the third one because I knew we were talking about it. And I knew if I did watch it, I would have started talking about it. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't watch it yet. But is it time for everybody's yes. favorite segment? It, if you're not a bachelorette watcher, you can get out of here. But what'd you think of this week's episode? Feels, bro. <laughs> All the feels, dude. Like they put these dudes through some emotional trauma. Like they get, they get Nick Vial on there. Who like, why the fuck is Nick Vial? Bro, I like, hate Nick. I, Nick Vial. <laughs> fuck Nick Vial. Like, why is he gonna? Why is he the guy who's gonna be leading his therapy session? <laughs> uh, but you know, you get some really serious stuff. Like Hunter comes out and talks about like his his two kids and like how he was b- bad in his marriage and like he feels like he's reformed. And, I'm like, sick that's of that guy, here. bro. I'm sick of him. Like, yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, she see. just needs to get rid of him. Like he does. He does not fit her timeline. She no. does not want uh, someone with two kids that has been married. She doesn't want that guy. I'm sorry. I still feel well, he, like our leaders from last week are still the leaders this week. Well, I mean, we'll get to that. I, mean, I just want to start start with date one. They, and, you know, Aaron comes out and he talks about like how he uh, was with that girl that they had similar issues with their parents getting sick. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, um, what was the other, you had Connor B who I thought was going to say some way worse shit than he did. Like he's going in about like his alcohol problems. And I was like, Oh man, did he like kill for somebody? Like, <laughs> He like DUI, like run over somebody or something like that. He's like, and I cheated on my girlfriend. I was like, thank the stars. I was like, (laughs) Jesus, man. Like you really put us through a ringer there. I'm like, yeah, shit, that's bad. But like, you know, I thought you started off with like having an alcohol problem. I thought it was going to get way worse from there. And then, bro, Carl. Or Tom, or we we even talk about Carl on the fucking rose ceremony, dude. What an idiot, dude. But like, I loved that how they came together as a group and was like, yeah, like, we just don't like this guy. Like, yeah, fuck this guy. Like, fuck this guy. And then but she the, goes back right. to the girls. But you're like, right. Oh, so they're, keep him. they're keeping him around. Oh, no. Wait, they got rid of his ass? Yeah, they got rid of Carl. Oh, then I must have went to the bathroom at that point because I thought he was still around. Mm-mm, Carl gone. 
real. Good for him. Get him out you of didn't, here. You didn't see that? No. Okay. So like, so like Mike comes up and was like, yeah, get, get rid of Carl, blah, blah, blah. She goes back and talks to Tasha and, and uh, Caitlin Bristow. And Caitlin Bristow was like, it's your decision. You do what you want. And Caitlin, and Katie's <laughs> that's, why like, you don't like, that's why you don't like Caitlin Bristow. <laughs> and like, uh, and Katie was like, yeah, I was thinking about keeping him, blah, blah, blah. But like, she doesn't keep him. And then like, he doesn't even, like no one says bye to him or anything like that. And like um, he doesn't, he like doesn't even say bye to Katie. He just walks out. He just, he he just kind of stay. He, he kind of stands there like a stupid doofus, and then he just walks out. And all then right. while glad in the he meantime, left. Every every and now it makes the, sense why at the end of the episode he wasn't he was nowhere in, in sight. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like the other person who left was John, who was like a, a fan favorite, and like everyone ended up clapping for John. They were like, "John, you're the man." Wait, which one's like, John? He's he's an Asian guy. Oh, okay, he really um, has too much of an impact. I mean, he's 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 gonna be in paradise. So true, 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 true. The, people are saying that he's like this season's grocery store Joe. Oh yeah, I I guess maybe. Yeah, but um, so yeah, then uh, we get we get into the stuff, and so like the big thing about that uh, emotional group date was uh, Thomas goes on there and he's like. Yeah, Katie, and with a big old smile on his face. Yeah, like I came in for the, I came in because I wanted to build a platform, and like I went on a date like the week before when this this started. But like I came on here and I didn't expect like to find love, but now I feel like you know I really have a connection with you. Blah blah blah. blah. And I was like, dude, <laughs> why, fucking bro? Thomas, bro. Like, what's wrong with these 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 fucking dudes? constantly just letting out their true intentions. Like if I would go on the bachelor and I was there to, to start a platform, I'm not telling her at all. Like why can't they keep that to themselves? I mean, he could have said that later, but like not then it's too early because like the thing is, is that Jed totally said that in Hannah B season. Like he, Jed told Hannah B straight up. He was like, yeah, I came on here to build my music platform, but I really think that we have a connection. Blah, blah, blah. That came a little bit farther down the line. So Hannah had already built up that trust, mm-hmm. even though, you know, shouldn't have, cause he was a dick, but. And also I don't like Hunter either. Yeah. You said that you didn't like Hunter. Yeah. That, that's the little dude with like the short with the tattoos. I don't fuck with that guy. His tattoo is weird as fuck. It, wait, no, this is, this one's Hunter, right? Wait, that guy right there. Huh? Yes. Yeah, fuck both of these guys. Fuck Thomas and Hunter. They both suck. The worst. Yeah, they, they both suck. Um, Connor B ended up winning the Rose. Yeah, he did. On, on that date. And I think that's solid. I mean, he's he's solid. Yeah, he's all right. He's that's all right. But I mean, like, I, uh, not, my, not anymore. <laughs> not after that one-on-one. <laughs> and I, the, the one-on-one this week was with Michael, I believe, A, who yeah. is the other dad. Who I don't like either. Kid. Well, you don't like him because he has a kid, but I mean, like his story is like he's a widower and he has like this really beautiful story about his wife. And then she like, you know, it was his really his only relationship. I based upon his age would have been about 18 when they would have gotten together and they were together the whole span. That's until 37 she died. year old Michael. huh? I don't think he's 37. Yeah, he's 37. I'm looking at it right now. Well, he's going to be the bachelor. So you think he's going to be the bachelor? Yes, after the after what the after this episode, yes, he's gonna be the bachelor. Oh my 100%. god, Schubert, if he's the bachelor, I'm gonna be pissed. Oh, he's gonna be just like Jason Mesnick's season, which was a very solid season. So I hope, yeah, I hope if, if it's not, I hope it's if Andrew S doesn't get picked, I hope Andrew S is the bachelor. Oh uh, yeah, I could go for, I could go for but that. They but they might not go, but they might not go two black bachelors in a row. That might be the thing. 
So if they want to go with a white guy, if you want to do a white guy bachelor, then let me tell you who I'm digging. That I like Aaron. Aaron could be a good bachelor. Uh, Aaron's grown on me. I like him a lot. I also like uh, Brendan's not bad. I don't remember. I don't remember half these people. Either. And and Connor B's not bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Connor B is the he's he's, he's the, the singer. Yeah, yeah. we were just we were just talking. He got the rose. Yeah. Yeah. Or Greg, Greg would be a pretty decent uh, bachelor. Well, that's the thing about Greg is like the more and more things that come out about Greg, I more and more think that he's there for his platform. Like, you know, the mm. acting stuff before the show, like he was trying to be an actor. One thing that I've learned listening to other podcasts, like Behind the Rose and the Ringer Bachelor Pod, just so I can give them their, their flowers. Uh, they've noticed that when Greg has conversations with Katie, he doesn't touch her. I never noticed so, that. So watch, so watch out for that. I've never that. noticed that. That's crazy. Like, so like that's that's a red flag for me. Yeah. Like, I also don't think Trey didn't Trey didn't do bad this week. No, Trey's doing well. I think Trey's gonna stay around for a while. Yeah. You know who uh, I don't like? That's the I don't like Courtney. Nah, Courtney's gonna be gone soon. Yeah, I'm not a big Courtney fan at all. Like I just don't like how he looks. He's kind of awkward, and I just don't but, think he's, but, I don't but, think he fits for her. What's really going to break things out next week is when uh, Blake Moyes from Tasha season comes in. Um, you know, he's got a big, he's got a good chance to win it all. So who's uh, who wait from Tasha season. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like why are they bringing in other guys? Well, they, they done, they've done this in previous bachelors in different countries and they did it last season with Matt James where they brought in someone from Colton season uh, who was interested in him. Cause like he knew Hannah and it was Hannah's friend. Okay. Um, so like, you know, Bachelor Nation people kind of know each other before all this happens. And, it, you know, there's been like speculation that she and Blake kind of like had some conversations and they hit it off. And so like they're bringing him back around and like the way that they promoted it in the promo is that Tasha's like, Hey, I was talking to one of my exes for my season. And like, I think he would, he could be a good fit for you. Okay. So I don't you know, that, that might be the angle that they're trying to bring it in on. But that's gonna definitely be a different dynamic because, like Thomas, at the moment is the villain. But when once Blake comes in, he'll probably assume that villain role because everyone will be like, "Get the fuck out of here." So, and we're getting we're getting Tasha season after this, right? You're talking about Michelle. Oh, Michelle. Michelle season. Okay, it's coming after Paradise. Okay, so Tasha already went. Yeah, Tasha already happened. She she got she's with Zach. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. I'm just I'm just make I'm just. Catching myself up on the, the other, the, the other one thing stuff. with Bachelor in Paradise that I've heard that's a spoiler, not spoiler. I don't want to go too big into like what I've heard about it, but like it is almost a hundred percent certain now that Becca Kufrin is on Bachelor in Paradise. So she's Wait. like the first. She's, she's like the first lead from a past season who's in. She on broke Paradise. up with that dude. Oh yeah, she broke up. I with knew him. that dude was good for her. Becca, because he was racist. He was. Yeah. Wait, what's her last name? Kufrin, K-U-F-F-I-N, or K-U-F-F-R-N. I knew, yo, I was a big Becca fan, and I'm so happy. Wait, so he was a racist, and she broke up with his ass, that country yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Look, I'm going to just be honest. I knew that her man, she she went with the white guy, but to me, she vibed the most with her season was the Asian guy and the black guy. 
or the or the Latino guy. Those three, the, like those are the people she vibed with. Well, the her most. top her top three were all white guys. I know, but the, she got rid of the guys way. Bo- I I don't remember the, who you're talking about. Hold on, I'm a I'm a. Uh, that'll be something I find first for uh, next time. Oh, you're talking to- about Mike. Mm-hmm. Mike was on her season. I thought Mike was on Hannah B's season. I thought he, I thought she was on her season. I'm gonna find know, out. But, but Is she yeah. preggers? Who? Becca Cooper? No. Yeah. Oh. She ain't pregnant. But okay. she's 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 um, Bachelor in Paradise. And I, and the other thing about it that I've heard is that not anything about the, who she's with, but that she's been there a while. Oh. Like, I think she I think she starts off and she's still there, and they're still filming. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So. Solid. Well, we're gonna keep doing this till the end of the season. So for all the Bachelorette people, jump on. I gotta watch. Ep- I gotta watch the episode more closely, like I did for the last one. This one I was. Texting. You, you might. You might have to try TikTok. and catch, catch one of these pods, man, because that's they helped me out. I, I I literally listened to two or three Bachelor pods a week. <laughs> your ass is that's, in. You're well, that's, in just, that's just what's on in the car. <laughs> I need something new. So you're right. I, I'm a big Ringer guy, so I'm gonna check out the Ringer pod. Yeah, pretty good. Which one's your favorite one? I'm talking about the what, the, the the Bachelor ones. Yeah, the Bachelor pod. Well, I really like listening to uh, to Blake from Becca Seasons podcast behind the rose, mm. just because like it, it's a guy, it's guys talking about the Bachelor. Okay. And like, and he gives an interesting perspective, especially for this show, because he because he, he, he was, was there on the Bachelorette. Yeah, he's been there. So like, he. he oh understood. wait, no, I did think Becca should have chose. Wait, you're right. I'm tripping. Yeah, I'm thinking another. Yeah, he should have chose him. She should have chose Blake. That's who it was. Should have. Now and, that, and and everyone was like, oh, I wish they would get back together, get together now. But now she's in paradise, and he's not. So. And Blake should have been the Bachelor. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. He could have been the Bachelor, but like he even said on his on his podcast this week, he was like, I just don't think that I would have been a good lead and like even the people that were on the podcast with him was like yeah Blake he would have cried way too much <laughs> he's like you're right he was a big baby but that's why I thought him and Becca worked together because she's a she's a dominant female and he plays more of the he can be the B now I don't want to say beta but he could be a follower and like follow her lead yeah but I mean now he's just like with his whole stagecoach debacle and Pedro in paradise he's just mm. in a rough patch but I like his pod real okay well that's pretty much all we got this week, Shuby, my man. Yeah, man. Uh, make sure everyone out there, you, you check out some of the things we've been talking about. Um, you know, make sure you, you catch up with Dave because it's, it's been firing pretty well this season. And, and we're going to review. Assume it's gonna keep going. We're going to review episode three and four next it's week. Just thir- or it's just or three. You want to watch it live? Yeah, I'm going to watch it live. All right, we'll, we'll do three and four. Yeah, so we can catch up. So we can have two each time. All right. Um, but yeah, let's uh let me go ahead and tell everyone your social media and what else is going on with the network. Uh the latest episode of the Bros Who Think podcast is out now. Make sure y'all go check that out. Really, really dope episode. If you've been watching the NBA playoffs like we have, we deep dove, broke it down, and it looks like I've been right about the NBA playoffs. Justin picked the Bucks. Me and Schubert told him about the Hawks. So just go check out that pod to see what we think. And there's also a bunch of funny stuff with me, Doom, and Brooklyn. Uh, a new Never Less Than Ill is out with Justin Ivey. Uh, episode six, uh, he, he interviews Shiesty Christ about Cunnilingus, the hip-hop group from Kentucky. And Shiesty Christ is basically the right-hand man of Cunnilingus. So y'all should go check that out if you're a fan of that group. Also, a new anime talk will be out next Tuesday. 
along with new One Piece content. And I'm thinking I'm going to put the Run It Back poll out tomorrow with this episode so we can start to get for the next Run It Back. But other than that, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. Make sure you join the Discord. Link is in the description. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or SoundCloud, or YouTube, link is in the description. And uh, follow the Bros Who Think at Bros Who Think on Twitter to keep up to date with everything. And if you want to have fun with me and joke around, follow me on Twitter at LinBWT or follow me on Letterboxd at LinBWT. And I'm about to do a big Letterbox update with all the stuff I've watched for the past three weeks. Cool. Yeah, um, you can catch me on Letterboxd. I'm Adam BWT. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, HUBert14. The one other thing I forgot to mention show-wise is I have been watching that docuseries on Netflix, This Is Pop. Is it um, oh, yeah, with, that's the T-Pain thing. Yeah. yeah, the only two episodes I saw were the T-Pain episode and the Boys to Men episode. You know, both were pretty solid. The other things they talk about, they have one with uh, When Country Goes Pop, talking about Shania Twain. I bet, the, I bet the Boys to Men episode is great. It's a pretty good one. I didn't know a lot about Boys to Men going into it. One of the best R&B groups of all time. They pretty much talk about how Boys to Men created boy bands like the, there would be no backstreet boys or the modern no day sync. boy band for sure i would say yeah. i'd say the the no boys to men happens without new edition and i think new edition is the foundation boys to men is the next well, level because there was a, a new edition member who was the manager for boys, for to, boys men. to men yep yeah. and then after boy new edition was very raunchy very very uh i don't want to say dirty but they were clean cut boys to men is clean cut shows how boy bands work and then boom you get in sync you get backstreet boys you get one direction yeah boys to men was the original african-american group that transcended race into the pop scene yep. like they immediately became pop stars before they were topped on the r&b charts both white and black listeners love boys to men yeah Yep. So. so it's it's interesting. It's an interesting watch if you want if you like uh, music. Yeah, I'm checking that out for sure. Um. Yeah. So I said my social media. Everyone, check out everything that's going on with the network and tune in, in next week for another Bros Who Binge. I hope everyone out there has a great week. And as always, keep binging. Hey!